Blog Talk Radio. It's the most wonderful time of the year. With the kids jingle belling and everyone telling you be of good cheer. It's the most wonderful time of the year. It's the half happiest season of all. With those holiday greetings and gay happy meetings when friends come to call. It's the half happiest season of all. There'll be parties for Marshmallows for toasting and caroling out in the snow. Good afternoon, everybody. I'm Rich Yellman alongside Eugene Benton. Or should we say good evening here on a beautiful Monday night? It is the Monday before Thanksgiving. We're thankful for so much. We're also looking forward to this show today. This got Kevin Billadu with Live 5 News, our CBS Sports affiliate down here in that Charleston area. He joins us at 630. At 7 o'clock, it is Reginald Walker Jr., TV and radio analyst for the UNC Charlotte guys, as well as Gardner Web 7:30. Joe L. Hughes. He is with the Gaston Gazette, the Shelby Star. He covers it all between North and South Carolina in the world of high school sports. He'll check in at six. Excuse me, 7:30, and then oh, at that time, eight o'clock. We go all the way back to Columbia, South Carolina, with our celebrity guest. Who is that? Well, that's no other than the head football coach over there at Ridgeview, Coach Perry Parks, will become uh, the third celebrity guest on this show. Tonight, as we go through one through five, we're going to have a special, a special celebrity guest, one and two. That's right. We're going to bring them in not once but twice on Wednesday. I'll give you that information later in the show, who's going to be the two coaches that will step in for our pre-Thanksgiving party on Wednesday night. So without further ado, I bring in Eugene Benton, the other half of the duo here on Southern Sports Central. Eugene, brother, a big weekend indeed. It started for us watching a lot of football on Friday nights, not calling it on the radio, not talking about it on the TVs, not standing on the sidelines, if you will, but covering it via social media between different TVs, outlets, and different, of course, media sharing links and things like that. It was quite an interesting, I would say, almost like air traffic control between the two of us as far as trying to get all the games under our belts. And then Saturday, heading over to Woodland, where Jay Williams, the commissioner of the South Carolina Youth Football Association, invited us over, as he always does. This time it was for all the marbles in the lower state, in the upper state. But they brought the upper state down to the lower state so that they could play their games 
the lower state went head-to-head, and it was all said and done. We've got a state championship coming up this weekend. Stay tuned to that date to be released later on in the week. Now, again, we're thinking Sunday. I have an idea where, but I will not, cannot, and just definitely am not going to tell you the inside scoop. No, just stay in your seats as we'll talk about that game on Saturday, multiple games, by the way, but into the high school, the 16, leveled down to eight last Friday night. Here we are this Friday, now looking at four, the final four in every classification that will be on the docket here today. And then also, I've got some audio that I want to play on behalf of the Clemson Tigers and Dabo Sweeney, as you guys may have heard, that they did not play on Saturday down in Tallahassee and everybody got down there and everybody was ready to go. And Florida state said, we're not doing it today. We're not doing it tomorrow. We're not doing it Monday. Dabu Swinney has his own take on it. I'm going to let you hear what he said. And uh, we'll, we'll kind of talk about that throughout some of today's show. I'm just kind of curious on some thoughts here on this broadcast. Now, also, we finally got to hear from JC Horn, who is the young man who decided to forego the rest of his season. Right, he he decided uh, that he was going to sit out the last three, focus on himself, focus on his drive and his goals and his NFL career. And I got a blip earlier from another show that he was on, and I'm going to play that. And it was what he said at the beginning that bothers me the most. I understand some of the other stuff, and I'm going to share that with you. But there's that side of it. But then there's another senior that I've got from the University of South Carolina that says why he decided not to sit out why he decided to come back and play his uh, remainder of the season so with that a lot to take in there eugene but again we got a lot to cover we got three hours to do it and i uh, can't wait to get this show up and running yeah it was a action-packed friday night you know some more i tell you this is probably the year i would say with the most upsets and and you know <laughs> Uh, there were so many upsets from the 5A down to the uh, 3A level. I think the two biggest upsets, I would say, or, or in my opinion, and I think most most of you and I agree because we've talked about it a whole bunch, uh, was Northwestern beating, um, beating Dorman. But, I'll, I, you know, yesterday I got some good insight from uh, one of the guys who uh, was hanging out there on the sideline at, at the uh, Northwestern Dorman game. Uh, but then come on down to 3A with Dylan and Gilbert. It wasn't so much that uh, that Gilbert won. It's how they won with this super talented Dylan team. Now, I know some people say, you know, they got Nemo. He's an all-star running back. He's super awesome. You know, wide receiver going to Louisville. But, you know, there have been some people say, you know, but maybe this year, maybe in other positions, they're just not quite as dominant as years before. And, And, you know, for saying Dylan team that's this great isn't quite as dominant. Really, that's not a disrespect to this team. That's more of an acknowledgement to just how great they have been. So uh, Friday night was definitely an interesting turn of events for us. So, you know, we uh, discussed it and what happened, uh, you know, with the Oceanside team and not being on the sideline. You know, you, I, we had several principals and coaches from the area and, you know, a whole bunch of media outlets ready to cover that game. But, you know, um, uh, the, the administration over at Oceanside felt like they had to do certain things based on, uh, protocols and safety and whatnot. So, you know, in abundance of caution, that game wasn't played. But, um, you know, Dylan prepared, got ready to go. And I still think uh, a lot of people, you know, now that, now that uh, excuse me, Camden prepared and ready to go, now that Dylan is, is knocked out, now no disrespect to Gilbert, but I think a lot of people 
that just kind of reboosted their confidence and came to not only getting to the state final but possibly winning it. Yeah, I, you know, I, I don't know, man. I, I think Gilbert's a lot better, and I've talked to a lot of people that, uh, that that tell me that that's not much of an upset. They they thought that that was going to be the way it was going to be, and and uh, whether it was or wasn't, we don't, we will never know, right? I mean, again, I mean, well, I guess we do know. I mean, at the end of the day, Gilbert's the better team. They won, but that doesn't mean that it was – I mean, you don't beat somebody that bad and not be that good, Eugene. I mean, I get that everybody – hey, look, you've got a little connection there with Camden. I'm not telling you guys over there the Bulldogs aren't for real, but I'm telling you – you walk in that stadium and, and, and think those boys at Gilbert are, are, are a walkthrough, trust and believe me, there's a team up there that's known for bringing home trophies a lot more than a lot of other teams around the state in 3A, 4A football in the past. And that, of course, is the Dillon Wildcats who will be watching football like a lot of us come Friday night, Eugene. Yeah, and that's the thing, you know, like, again, this is the year that, you know, if people throw things out of, the, out of the window and say, you know what, we're just riding 2020 and going with my gut on this one. You know, you saw in, in the brackets you and I picked with uh, Steele, and we also picked with uh, Coach Craig. You know, sometimes they were a home run. We were perfect on some brackets, and, you know, we uh, poo-pooed the bed, so to speak, on the others. And it's just because, you know, who would have thought, you know, at preseason, you look go back and look at the preseason top ten. And I get it. Preseason top tens are for guys like you and me in the media to have something to talk about and kind of generate interest and get fan bases either, you know, united and – fired up positively or the opposite. Uh, who would have thought that um, T.O. Hanna uh, would be where they are and winning the way they are and beating the teams they've beaten? I mean, it, you know, it's, that's, again, you know, whether it was a, uh, some type of factor of, you know, all the events that transpired this year or just maybe that they had a bunch of guys on the roster just kind of under the radar. The same with uh, Daniel. You know, Daniel's had some good teams, but so has Pendleton, who's up in the – in that area who has, you know, five-star player over there on the South Carolina roster. Uh, and they were really good a couple of years ago. Now, we know Daniel has great players. Uh, the quarterback, the junior quarterback, his father is on the staff at Clemson, uh, Coach Danny Pierman. Um, you know, the safety, starting safety, his father's on the staff there uh, at Clemson. You know, they're, they're a talented team. And Daniel keeps rolling. Wren in 3A, they keep rolling just like they did in 4A last year. Uh, you know, but here on the on the lower side, you know, you, looks like we have this Camden Gilbert matchup. Um, you know, the thing that almost gets me, I, I think, the most shocking thing that we've seen in the playoffs, and I've seen a lot of the media talking heads just like us around the state say one thing that's just wow this year: no teams from the low country, lower part of the state, and no teams. From that upper part of the state, that Greenville, Spartanburg County, in, in 5A, and in some of the other, um, you know, levels of football, just, you know, they're just none. But what you do see still is a lot of that Midlands, a lot of the Midlands-type teams, and over towards that Ori kind of Dillon, you know, that, that uh, PD area. So a lot of, almost like if you could just take a swipe out of the 803s, you could cut out a lot. There, there, there's not many of the 864s. Uh, and, and the 843s, unlike years past. And that's not talking about one level or two level, because I know, like we just said, Daniel's still in. They're 864 in the 3A. We get that and Wren. But if you look top to bottom, 1A through 5A, you're seeing more of the 803s than you do, a lot more of the 803s than you do the 843s and the 864s. And I think that's been shocking a lot of people this year. 
Yeah, and, and you got to look at it, and, and it again, you, you start to kind of look at this bracket. We'll go through it here at, at some point throughout the the afternoon of the five A bracket. And again, you don't see Fort Dorchester. The Patriots had probably, I thought, even though I know that I've got a little close connection with these guys by all means, but I still think with or without me being around the program, I still thought they were one of the most dynamic head to toe strong teams in in the state of South Carolina. They had wide receivers. They had a quarterback that played out of his shoes. Even though he was a sophomore on the charts, he had a senior moment multiple times throughout the season. They had a running back game that I thought the one-two punch was great, but you got a guy, you know, back there, number 23, Dwayne Wright, did everything right. This kid threw, you know, his body into the defensive side of things by falling forward every time that he would go down getting a thousand yards in four games didn't play a complete seven because they would pull him out halfway through or a quarter through all of those things happened and you look at the things on the defensive side the linebacker cores I thought three of those guys across the middle part really good they had some really big guys on that defensive front that could really pass for us do a great things the secondary I thought was pretty you know electric most of the time you know, they would adjust after the first half and not give up a single point. You know, they had three shutouts through the season. But they're not the only story to be told because Gaffney's another story, right, in the upstate. These guys, everybody thought they're back. They're going to do great things. They're going to continue to drive the things home. But they saw their season come to an end against T.L. Hanna, who, yeah, I get it that once you get on the field and the radio and, and, and on all of that, you know, tributes are, are, are kind of in between. But you got to feel like the big man above was looking down at him one more time, one more opportunity, because they had a good lead, T.O. Hanna did, but Gaffney surged their way back towards the end of that ballgame and found a way to make it competitive. I made a meme over there on Facebook or social media, I think Twitter, when I had my popcorn guy out there and saying, look, now we got a ball game. You saw the other side at Northwestern, of course, Coach Steele over there at Berkeley said it earlier on the show a week ago today, said that was his upset pick. He got it right, by the way. But they took care of business and fashion against Dorman. You know, maybe, maybe we, we, we get the, the lower part of the low country and, and, and all of this not, not as where they need to be at. And that's a conversation to be had. And the Grand Strand, by the way, is where they need to be. They have a ton of guys still playing football this late in the season. And, yes, Columbia. The Columbia region is pretty daggum good. But that upstate up there near Clemson and stuff, a lot of upsets happened over the weekend, and it was at the confines and all the excitement of that Rock Hill region, if you will, Eugene, as you see Catawba Ridge, as you see Northwestern, as you see some of these other dogs that are fighting like crazy through multiple classifications. And I think, without a doubt, I want to see when this thing's all said and done in about two weeks, who is the biggest one standing around regionally? Is it that Rock Hill region? Is it the Grand Strand? We know it's not the low country. It doesn't look to be in the upstate part of the upper part. Or is it right there locally with Camden and, and, For- and Dutch Fork and, and, and a lot of those dogs that are still hunting or, uh, you know, individuals that are getting after it, Eugene? Well, I'll tell you this, and there's something maybe uh, Coach Steele didn't uh, inform us about with his buddy there at Northwestern. Um, so something I learned, I, I talked to somebody, like I said, two people actually, on the, who were on the sideline uh, yesterday at the Northwestern game. One of them is a young man that plays for Northwestern. And who, you know, fingers crossed for the young man. He, he's super talented. Uh, maybe kicking balls up there at Clemson uh, pretty soon. And, uh, and and he had a great game in that in that game, by the way. And um, But what Northwestern has done, 
And, and if any uh, coaches want to go back and check behind us and, and check the coaches' uh, information is they've run a complete package, single game in the playoffs. So if you're trying to scheme and trying to plan for Northwestern, you might have a problem because what you saw on film last week, you might not see in the game, and the chances are if you do, it'll be just, a, a, you know, here or there because, you know, I was like, you know, how do you guys do that? Well, back in – Early on, we've been installing a little bit here, a little bit there. You know, unfortunately, we got to run, you know, X amount of plays in this game, and we came out, you know, on top. This game came out on top. So every game, uh, like I said, he said every game in the playoffs, they've run a different package. So when you spend all your time on defense preparing for those guys with a certain package, you're about to see something else on Friday night that might just catch you off guard. Now, what? how do you neutralize that? I think if you have the Jimmys and Joes, uh, on the other side, they can just win the play. I think that's how you defeat that. But, um, you know, heck, hats off to those guys. Again, Northwestern, you know, to me, kind of came out of the blue. Everybody was talking about, you know, the Gaffneys and Dormans and Dutch Fork and, um, uh, you know, Fort D and even, you know, some of the talent at Sumter. People were talking about, you know, some other teams and Carolina Forest still, you know, was rebuilding a little bit, but they still had some talent. You know, there were so many teams, especially in that upstate area, that people were just talking about and just kind of, you know, kind of glossed over that Rock Hill area, like you said. And then, you know, here, here it comes, you know, of, we have two teams from the same county right there in the, uh, in the finals, and that's Catawba Ridge, who came, you know, out of nowhere, so to speak, in that 4A bracket. Uh, excuse me, um, 2A bracket. What, what, let's see, Catawba Ridge is 4A actually, and, and beating Irmo, a team that's kind of been there and done that before. And You know, when we were making our picks, we kind of rode with those cats and said, you know, they have the experience, and Catawba Ridge is a two-year program. But, you know, I guess what Catawba Ridge looked at it was, you know what, what you don't know might hurt you. And they sure are putting a hurting on people in the playoffs and proving everybody wrong that's bet against them. So uh, hats off to those guys. You know, they're a team right there getting close to Charlotte. You know, if you look at the talent level in that Rock Hill, you know, you're a college scout. You might just want to fly into Charlotte and camp out there. South Point was just in the final eight. You know, Northwestern's in the final eight. Catawba Ridge is in the final eight this year. I mean, you can't go wrong, especially considering how many, you know, not only uh, high-caliber football players, you know, at the collegiate level, but even some NFLers that have come out of that county. All right, guys, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to change the gears just a little bit here. I'm trying to line this thing up there with uh, Dabo Sweeney. And uh, this is what he okay, had to say uh, about the game Dan, and the cancel. Well, I'd like to say the same thing. Congratulations to our men's soccer team, Coach Noonan and the fellas. Uh, just awesome, man. Awesome. Uh, incredible um, performance and, and just an awesome year for them. Um, but, uh, yeah, just to kind of – Follow up with with what Dan said. Uh, our players and our staff, uh, we, we have sacrificed all year long. Uh, we've demonstrated incredible commitment, and and we've done everything that's been asked. And uh, each week, there is an enormous amount of preparation that goes into uh, getting ready to play. And um, uh, so I'm, I'm incredibly disappointed uh, that we did not play. And I'm, I'm disappointed in the decision to not play. Uh, we had, Dan said, one guy test positive on Friday, and so they canceled the game, even though all protocols were followed. And also, as he said, 
That's why we test on Fridays before the game. Because a guy can be negative Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, be negative all week. And as we all know, could be positive on Friday. So that's why we test on Friday. And it is also why we, we as a league voted to expand the travel roster from 72 to 80 in, in expectation that there would be positives on Fridays so that you could take more guys uh, to, to be available. No one ever had an illusion that there wouldn't be a positive on a Friday. So, again, that's why the roster was expanded. And any time a guy is positive, whether it be a Monday test, a Wednesday test, a Friday test, whatever, any time a guy is positive, that person has been practicing and playing prior to being positive. In fact, we could all test negative on Friday. That doesn't mean someone doesn't turn positive before kickoff on Saturday. And we all have known that. The standard to cancel a game was not met. A guy testing positive on Friday does not cancel a game. I was on every committee call for months since March, and that was never the case. Never once was it said that if a team had a player test positive on a Friday test, that the game would be canceled. The only thing that we talked about in canceling games was not having enough scholarship guys or at least seven offensive linemen. And as Dan said, we offered to test again, play Saturday night, Sunday, Monday, and it was declined. We spent several hundred thousand dollars, 300 plus thousand dollars to travel. We set up a Ringling Brothers tent in the, in the, took over an entire parking lot to do what we have to do to, to meet the standards. We had people travel from all over the country to come to the game, to see the game. We met the standard to play, and we should have played. We have mitigated everything all year long, all year. Meetings, practices, meals, housing, how we travel. If the standard to play was zero positive tests, then we would have never had a season. This game was not canceled because of COVID. COVID was just an excuse to cancel the game. And to be honest with you, I don't think it has anything to do with their players. I have no doubt that their players wanted to play and would have played. And same with the coaches. To me, the Florida State administration forfeited the game. And if they want to play Clemson, in my opinion, they need to come to Clemson or they need to pay for all expenses. Other than that, there's no reason for us to now, that's head coach Dabo Sweeney with uh, his address to the media uh, after you guys know the storyline. Again, we'll get this in here before we bring in our guests because, again, you know what uh, Sweeney believes uh, in all heartily that, that Florida State basically forfeited the contest. Now, he quoted saying this game was not canceled because of COVID. COVID was just an excuse to cancel the game. Continue the quote. To me, the Florida State administration forfeited the game. Now, I want to thank the guys over at TigerNet.com for giving us the audio there. But again, as we saw it here at a local level, if you're listening to us right here in Charleston, where we're located in the studio, you know, Oceanside dealt with that Friday morning. And they made a call. They made a decision that it is what it is. And and they decided because this is the best answer for it. Now, there's another conversation that I'll get into latter part of 
the month of December of how that was responding and some other things. But here's the thing. Let me explain something to you, Clemson fans. Are you serious? Do you think – do you think in any way, state, shape, or form, do you think a bad Florida State team who has gotten pretty good at winning little bit by little bit, not at all, to be honest with you, they are pretty used to losing, right? They've gone through more head coaches in the last how many years after they got, of course, you know, uh, the legacy of Bowden was gone. They don't have a Heisman Trophy candidate on this roster. They don't even have a chance to make a bowl game, if I'm not mistaken. So why in the blue seasons would you even think that they're scared to play Clemson Tigers? You think they're trying to keep you guys out of a national championship because you need that win to propel you to a better season? I just don't understand why Dabo Sweeney. You remember there was a shirt you wore, Dabo. There was, again, you, you can't speak one way in the beginning of the season, and when it doesn't work for you at the end of the season, you change your tune a little bit. Now, Eugene, you heard it. I'm sure you've heard this for the umpteenth time like myself, but did he say that a kid tested positive on Friday? Is that what, and just answer that with a yes or no so I can keep moving. <laughs> you only go give me a yes or no. That's all I want to get. I'm going to let you rebuttal, but did he say right. yes or no? The, the kid did test positive once out of three Period. Days. On Friday, right? On, on Friday is my understanding. On Friday. My understanding. Sorry. That's the life of it all. This is what COVID is all about. I yes. cannot blame, nor can I disrespect anybody who says, I don't want you coming down here because I don't know what you've done with this kid. Well, he's on the second team, the third team, the fourth. I don't care. He's on your team. And this thing is killing people. It is what it is. Some of us get fortunate and don't have to worry about it. But Oceanside and First Baptist here locally both got knocked out by the word COVID. Not a football team, but by something that we don't have an answer to. You cannot, you can't, you got to be realistic on some of this stuff, guys. Yeah, it sucked. I, I, I couldn't imagine going down there, and I'm all in. Dabo, I'm all in. With, with If Florida State's going to play you guys, this go around that they come up and see you because you guys were all the way down there. That's just the chance you take. You take a chance when you get on an airplane every day. You take a chance of jumping in your car every day. You take a chance of jumping in your bathtub every day. Life's about chances. You took a chance. You went down there and something happened. But for you to rip the situation, man, I got a lot of respect for you, coach. And not that you care, probably. I'm just a little old guy down in Charleston. But I, being a former, being, being a former Gamecock and being a guy that's played against you guys and understand things, to me, personally, I just don't understand it. You're a God-fearing man. Live in that moment, man. You're going to sit here and tell me. <laughs> you would let your kid play? I guess maybe you would because I, I, I guess he does have a kid on the team. But nevertheless, it, to me, it's just I struggle with it only because of the factor that it wasn't the kid tested on Monday or, or Sunday. No, he tested on Friday, the day before the game. And we don't know who you guys have had around this kid. I don't blame them for not playing on Saturday, but I do feel that this thing needs to be redone, and I think they do need to come to Clemson because that's just the way it works. It's not like Florida State's going to win anyways, okay? We, under, we, we get that part. But to sit back and to say – we don't have a lot of time because I know that we're going to have to somewhat go quick with Kevin Billadu. He's got 15 minutes to give us. But for the Clemson Nation to sit around and act like the Florida State's hanging out behind some, sh some shed or looking in between the lines and the blinds and saying that they can't, 
They're not coming to play you because they're scared of you. There's nobody scared of you, Clemson. Yeah, you might beat them, but that's competition. There's, that, that athletes, that's not even a real conversation. All right, that's, this ain't flag football. All right, we ain't playing at the Y. All right, this ain't upward. I can keep going. Eugene, I'll give you two minutes to rebuttal on that conversation. I don't need two minutes. I just need 30 seconds. I agree with Dabo in toto. If you don't know what in toto means, look it up. It's Latin. It means in summary and in, 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 in full. Now, of course. I'm going to drop the mic on that one. Well, that's fine. But, I mean, uh, I, I don't – I don't it's, know. It's it is what it is. Protocol. Yeah, it's a matter of AC, ACC protocol. So ACC is so ACC is agree with the rules, just like just like there are many parents at Oceanside willing to pay for tests, you know the rapid test and, and but there was a protocol set by the South Carolina High School League, just like I'm sure Coach Waters would agree over uh, at um at First Baptist, they probably would have tested those guys too and been ready to play. And if anybody would have come back with a negative test, they would have kept those dudes out and played the ones that. I mean, with positive tests, it would have kept the dudes with a negative test. But there was a protocol, an agreed-upon protocol, that was established, agreed upon by the entirety of the league. That means all programs. And if you follow that protocol, even the ACC said play that game on Saturday. And I get it. Florida State didn't want to play, and they had their reasons. I'm not saying – I'm not justifying that or, or, or saying they shouldn't have played. All I'm saying is there was a protocol, there were rules, there were all these things that was agreed upon. And the ACC said, let it play, uh, play the game, and Florida State said no. But I don't blame them. I mean, at the end of the day, I understand that, guys, and, and, and that's fine. Here, here's the thing. Florida State, if, if you're listening, take the loss. It, it don't mean that much to you anyways. It ain't like you guys are going bowling anyways. I mean, hell, half you guys are going to be home by Christmas anyways. That's fine. Take the loss. It is what it is. Principle, take the loss. It is what it is. Don't waste your money. Go to Clemson and get beat by 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 or whatever it is that they're going to hang on you because they're going to beat you. I, I feel confident in that. I'm just I, – I don't think in my own mind, I don't feel that um, – I don't feel like there's a scare tactic. That, that's really kind of what got me the most. You know, sometimes as coaches, you let the fans be fans. Sometimes you let the, let, let, let the chattering boxes be the chatter boxes outside of the fields. But we'll see what we got because we do have at 6.30. It is the man with the plan. It is going to be, of course, uh, our, our, our number one guy on the 6.30 guest list. 6.30 is always Kevin Billadu, Live 5 News. He's our affiliate with CBS Sports. And I'm going to get his thoughts on it, and I'll end it with this. I just didn't like the way it was handled. On either side, I get that part, too. I just don't like the battering, and, and, and uh, I just I don't like it. Anyways. A little summertime music in the wintertime, guys. Don't go anywhere. Southern Sports Central coming up right after this. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Rich Yellman. It is Southern Sports Central alongside Eugene Benton. And on the line right now, our 630 guest is, as always, Monday night. While The Undertaker retired last night, 
ain't nobody holding this man from coming out of the blues, and that is Kevin Billadu. Big Kev, what's up, buddy? We're just going to talk about Survivor Series for like 15 minutes, right? <laughs> well, I got to get some thoughts and opinions, but tell me, what did you think of that? By the way, he is our wrestling guru for Southern Sports Central as you get that Stone Cold entrance. What did you think? you think The Undertaker got his due last night as he quote-unquote retired from the WWE? I still call it the WWF. Dude, here's how stupid I am. I sat there watching that whole thing. And he's saying goodbye, he's saying this is time, and I'm like, someone's going to come out and hit him with a chair. I'm positive. This can't be the end. <laughs> you know, no but way. these guys never retire. Back. Yeah, I just, these guys yeah. never retire, right? I mean, I don't know how many times we had to watch Mick Foley retire and he keep coming back. I tell you, a team that looked like they, I guess, retired from action over the weekend was the Florida State Seminoles. We started with that. I gave like a 10-minute rant. I'm done with my end of it. What is your thoughts, Kevin? Come at me from the Clemson side and then give it to me from the Florida State side, brother, and then give it from a side that does what we do under the lights or on the TV screens. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Both sides, you know, have a really good point to their argument. You know, if you're Florida State, you know, bottom line is they've got a guy who tested positive for COVID-19. He traveled with the team, so – the team, you know, was around this guy as recently as a day ago. None of them might be showing symptoms at this point, but that doesn't mean they don't have it. You know, the guy who tested positive didn't show symptoms the entire week when he was being tested. And, and you know, the, the positive test didn't come up until Friday. So if you're Florida State, I understand the hesitancy of not wanting to put your kids around someone who, who has the virus or, you know, putting them around other people who have been around someone who's had the virus. So, from their perspective, you know, you're keeping your kids safe, and, and that's commendable, and I understand that. From Clemson's point of view, you know, Dabo Sweeney said it a bunch of times last night when he talked to the media. They followed all the rules as, as best they can, you know. Uh, they, they met all the protocols that they have to meet for the game to be played. So, in their opinion, there's no reason the game shouldn't have been played, you know. They, I think one of the interesting things Dabo said was when they set these rules in place before the season started – they were under the assumption that there was going to be guys who tested positive on the day before a game. And these are the rules they set in place to, to make sure that, you know, even if that happens, the game can still be played safely. So I understand his frustration with, with the game not being played from, from the outsider's perspective, you know, like I said, both guys have, have valid arguments for why this game should and shouldn't have been played. And, you know, I, you know, I, I especially understand Dabo's frustration. I'm not sure he's, going about the right way handling it because he's getting, you know, really panned in, in the national media conversation right now for, you know, wanting to just blow over the, the pandemic and just play football. So I'm not sure he's going about it the best way, but, you know, this is his way. And, and it's hard to argue with the results he's had over the last few years. Yeah, that you know, and that's kind of my thing on this whole thing, Kevin, is how Dabo's handling it, right? I mean, to me, it's let the chatterboxes chatter. That's your fans. I get it. You know, when it comes down to it, but to pour salt into that, acting as if the, the teams are scared to play you. When again, this this kid traveled. This kid was there. This kid was around. You cannot tell me he didn't interact because we're athletes. We understand, and especially the guys that have played this game or any game at any sport at any level. That's what you do. That's what makes that brotherhood or sisterhood what it is, is that you're around each other so much. That's where you build that chemistry before you get on the, the competition field. 
So for me, it, it just was kind of a weird thing that you started seeing the whole they're scared to play. What other reason would he have, be it the Florida State Seminoles administration, not to play? But I do agree with Dabo as far as, hey, look, if we're going to come and play this thing, and we're going to have to because it's a conference game, here's what has to happen. Then you guys have to come to us because we did take it down there to you guys, and, and y'all decided, even though we were within the ACC regulations and, and all of that and the guidelines, that you guys decided not to play. Yeah, and, and the thing with, with Dabo and, the, you know, going back to the way he's handling this, if he, if he had gone on his teleconference yesterday and just said, you know, that's in the past for now, I'm looking ahead to Pitt, and that's what we're focused on, then this story is dead. We don't, we don't talk about it last night. We certainly don't talk about it today. But we are, we've all moved on to start talking about Clemson getting ready to play Pitt, looking for their first win in almost a month because it's been that long since they won a game. But like you said, he poured salt in the wound. And now, you know, we have to talk about this for a couple of days because he said a lot of interesting things yesterday. And we've got to, you know, kind of touch on all points. And today the Florida State coach, Mike Norville, had his weekly press conference. And he, you know, he came out and said that he still expects that game to be in Tallahassee. And now he's throwing jabs at Davo saying, you know, if, if, if Clemson wants us to pay for their travel to come back here, he's like, I'll chip in if I have to just to get them to come down here and play. So, now this is going to be a story for at least a couple more days. Now Dabo Sweeney has his weekly press conference tomorrow, and you can bet he's going to be asked about this again. So that's just going to keep things going, you know, longer and longer. And at some point, uh, officials from the ACC are going to have to step in and say, you know, guys, knock this off. Here's when the game is going to be played. Here's where it's going to be played. Here's how we're going to work it out. Now get over it and get ready for this week's game. Live right now with Kevin Billadu, Live 5 Sports, Live 5 News. They are the – Longest rating, big time kicking, sticking around the Low Country TV station. Period. They, of course, are a CBS Sports affiliate down here in the Low Country, and Big Kev does it in style, day in and day out. Now, I know we didn't have, but maybe Well Branch and Buford. Unfortunately, they saw their way out of it uh, this past weekend. Oceanside, by the way, bit with that same conversation with COVID. We heard all that news came out Friday when Southern Sports Central broke the news about 11:27. What was uh, kind of give me your thoughts from Friday nights and any upsets around the the state of South Carolina when it comes down to uh, the next round? But I know you'll start with Oceanside first. Well, my first thought was you really had to break that on my day off, like you couldn't have <laughs> given me a heads up or something there, buddy. Little little bit, but uh, but no, that was that was great work by you and. Uh, talked to Joe Call right after that news came out and obviously he was he was heartbroken and his kids were heartbroken and you know when when you're in a high school team you know if your season ends with getting beat you know it, it still hurts but you can come to grips with that you can come to terms with how that happened but having your season ended and you know for the seniors having their career ended because of something that's out of their control that's just that's tough that's you know a tough thing for any kid to deal with especially at that age so you know, it's just a bummer, and, you know, we saw it with First Baptist a few weeks ago as well, and, you know, we knew this was going to happen in a couple points, and in the low country, we were, we were really lucky throughout the season that we didn't have too many cases of this happening, and unfortunately, it just kind of bit us, you know, twice during the postseason with First Baptist and Oceanside. Now, Kev, you, you saw, of course, Myrtle Beach. They came in and took care of business against Buford. Now, Buford, I thought, played well, just didn't play well enough to advance well. Branch also looked pretty good, but unfortunately saw their season coming in to an end as uh, they got, of course, knocked out as well. What is going on, in your opinion? You've covered high school sports here in the Low Country for a long time. You've been doing this thing for, gosh, 
how many years have you ever seen us get knocked out early? 16. Wow. See, that's – wow, I didn't even realize you've got 16 under your belt here. That's even more impressive. In 16 years, have you ever seen something like this to where we don't have anybody in the final four to represent the low country, whether it's here in the heart of the low country or even down in that south part of the lower low country? No. Uh, I, I can't ever remember not having one team playing the Friday after Thanksgiving. And, and it, you know, since Oceanside was eliminated, we really didn't have anyone – Last week, either you know, you mentioned Buford and Whale Branch, but that's that's a little bit of a, out of our DMA. But uh, yeah, I, I've never seen anything like this. And you know that that opening round of the playoffs, that opening Friday and Saturday too, we had ten teams lose. And again, that's something mm-hmm. I've never seen it in, in you know my time here. So you know, I, I I think part of it is just the the Columbia teams are as strong as they've ever been, and and that's hurting some of the local teams here in the Low Country and. The Myrtle Beach teams are, are getting a lot better now, too. And, you know, that, that might be a trickle down from, you know, all these coaches that they're bringing in over at Coastal. And, you know, they're starting to have more camps there and, and, you know, able to teach up some of the high school kids that are on there as well. So they're getting a little bit better. So, you know, it, it all kind of trickles down a little bit. And the low country teams are, you know, they're, they have solid teams here, but they, they've just run into some bad luck over the, over, over the course of this season. Live right now with uh, Kevin Billadu, Live 5 News Sports, as well as our connection to CBS Sports here in the Low Country. Before we get you out of here, man, now we turn the lights to basketball, definitely down here in the Low Country in a lot of different ways. Uh, what, do, what do you see with the winter sports and basketball wrestling? I'm surprised that that's even a conversation right now, but it is. What, what do we look forward to, and yeah. what do you guys now start to work on over there in the, in the newsroom? Well, yeah, I mean uh... – Basically, you know, we had a couple of preseason tournaments this past weekend, and, you know, the, the re- regular season is going to kick off on Monday for a couple of teams, and then everything really gets going next Tuesday. So, but, yeah, there's, there's some things I'm really interested to see. You know, James Island, you know, they've got uh, a couple of good, good players coming back this season, and they made the drop down to 4A. So I'm interested to see if they're able to make a run uh, towards the 4A postseason this year. You know, Goose Creek always has a good team. Uh, West Ashley has a brand-new head coach this season, so I'm, I'm interested to see how, how they kind of adapt to that. Uh, Fort Dorchester's coming off a really good year to see if they can kind of keep up with, with what they did last season and, and build on that a little bit more. And, you know, Wando's always kind of lurking there as well. And, and uh, you know, we've got the new Lucy Beckham as well. So, you know, this is really the, the first chance besides volleyball that we'll have to see them uh, in some varsity action. So, a lot, lot of interesting things with basketball this year. I, you know, basketball is my favorite thing to cover, so I'm really excited to see how this works out. No doubt. We're live right now wrapping it up with Kevin Billadu. Kevin, final question. Who is the next head coach at the University of South Carolina? You got out of here last week without getting that answer. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think everyone knows if, if it was me, my first call is Jamie Chadwell at Coastal Carolina. And I'm right. completely biased. I, I, I don't leave that out. You know, Jamie, uh, when he was here at Charleston Southern, he was a great guy to deal with. You know, we would go and talk to him every week, kind of individually at TV stations, you know, as opposed to doing the, the big press conference most, most of us do now. But, you know, Jamie, we would talk about the game, and then we'd sit there for another 15 minutes and just talk about whatever. And, you know, Jamie was a blast to deal with. So I would love to see him get that opportunity in Columbia. Uh, you know, the, the names we're hearing right now are Billy Napier, the head coach of Louisiana, and Shane Beamer, uh, the assistant over at Oklahoma. And Beamer's the name that's really getting a, a lot of attention. 
And I understand why. You know, he's, he's a guy who was born here in Charleston. He was an assistant at South Carolina, uh, you know, under Steve Spurrier. All accounts, Beamer's been the one that's saying that South Carolina is his dream job, which, you know, that goes a long way, especially at a school like South Carolina where, you know, sometimes they've got the inferiority complex of, you know, being below Clemson, you know, in the state and then being below Georgia and Florida in their division in the SEC. So if, if you've got a guy who says, you know, this is the job that I've always wanted, that can go a long way. And, you know, he's got the pedigree as well, of course, you know, being the son of a, of a famous head college football coach. So, you know, you would hope that he he would know how to run a big-time program. So that's a name that, you know, I think if I had to, you know, if you put a gun to my head right now, I'd say it's going to be Beamer. But, you know, I, I'd still like to see Jamie Chadwell get his shot. Hey, no doubt. What about Shea Beamer comes and brings Jamie Chadwell with him? Who knows? I mean, there's always these different things that we could do. I get that that – wouldn't be a realistic deal, but at least it would make you happy to get him up in Columbia. But then again, <laughs> you know, I like Beamer, man. Eugene, I know he'll say the same. He and I, man, we've been on that Beamer train since the kind of the conversation broke about this, that we heard about it week before it actually happened. And I was actually talking to Joe Call about him because he had come over when Joe was over at Somerville back in the day when he was at another school, Georgia, he came over to talk to one of the kids over there, and uh, I said right then and there, I said, man, that kid right there, that's the guy we want. He's our age. He's got what it takes. He's kind of a, a player's coach by all means. I mean, to me, Davo Sweeney is, is a similar kind of guy. Recruits really well, not only recruits the players, but recruits the coaches. And I think Shane can do the same thing. Like you mentioned, he's got a lot of connections. We'll wait and see. How do we, uh, how do we find you over there, Kev, on the uh, World Wide Web and what's happening around the, uh, the studios coming up this week? Yeah, you know, we're at live5news.com, and you can find me on social at KevinLive5 on Twitter and Kevin Billadu Live5 News on Facebook. And, you know, it's, it's still a big week for college football. You know, Clemson, you know, it, it's hard to believe. You know, we were joking earlier, but it, it's really been a long time since they won a game. And, you know, obviously it's not all their fault. You're talking two weeks off and then the loss to Notre Dame, but that's still, you know, it's been a few weeks. So they kind of need to, to get back to their winning ways. And South Carolina welcoming in Georgia this week, that's always a huge game for them. And, and don't forget college basketball kicked off on Wednesday. You know, wow. we had some, some cancellations around the country today, but as of right now, for the most part, we're a full go. And College of Charleston kicks off their season up at North Carolina on Wednesday. So, Still, you know, it's vacation week for a lot, but still a lot going on here around the low country. All right, Kevin, final thing, brother. What is your favorite meal as we wish you and your family a happy Thanksgiving, brother? What is the one thing that you look forward to come Thursday morning? I just go right for the pies. I, I can skip the turkey. <laughs> I, I'm skipping everything else. You you just bring out the pumpkin pie early, and I, I'll just put one on – Put some whipped cream on it and sit and watch football all day, and I'm fine. <laughs> yes, you are. Brother, always a pleasure, and I mean it from the bottom of both mine and Eugene and our entire team here at Southern Sports Central. From our family to yours, happy Thanksgiving, brother. We're thankful for you and all that you do, not just here on this network, but around the low country, man. You're always a five-star guy on our table, and we owe you a pie. We'll send you a pie, so we'll catch up between now oh. and then, my friend. <laughs> all right. Hey, I guess, you all have a great hey. holiday. We'll talk to you soon. You got it, buddy. There he is right there. Of course, Kevin Billadoo. I got him a shirt last year, by the way, Eugene. I, you know, he said he didn't have a shirt from Somerville. I said, hey, I got that problem fixed right now. I know a guy. And before he uh, left the stadium that day, he had a Somerville shirt in his hand. So we're going to get that guy a pie. Did you write that down, what his favorite pie was, I believe? 
he just said he wanted to skip the meal and head straight to the pies, plural. So I'm assuming we'll, 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 we'll follow that up with a tweet. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm assuming it's the uh, pumpkin and pecan if he wants, you know, he's been here for 16 years. So he definitely gets the low country. So we're, we're doling out the pumpkin and pecan pie. Yes, we are. Now let's look at some of the action. Let's stay high school for the next 12 minutes before we go to the top of the hour. You know, it was big action around 1A football, and eight teams came in, four teams came out, and it was a, a, a very interesting matchup between Lakeview and Carver's Bay. Of course, it was a Lakeview win. They advanced to see another day. Bamberg, Earhart took out C.E. Murray and then had the big one to go against Well Branch. They did that. They advanced. So it will be a big-time matchup in the lower state. It is Lakeview and Bamberg Earhart. On the other side, how about this team? We're learning a lot about Southside Christian, and here's the cool part about that. Where we were on Saturday, we got a chance to watch their youth program. Yeah, the, t- the 12U kids who are going to be playing on these same uniforms and these same lights just in a few years from now. Look pretty good, by the way. We'll talk more about that later in the week. But it was Southside Christian that got the win over, if I'm not mistaken, Blackville Hilda to advance to the next round. And then Lamar continues to do Lamar things. They beat a team at a Wagner Sally. Looking around at the next classification here, and that would be the boys in 2A. Now, 2A's definitely got some dogs over there as well. But this one, watch out for my big guy over there at Andrews. The Yellow Jackets put it on Pillion there, and they will advance to see a team in their region that they saw earlier this year in Marion because Marion knocked out the War Horses of Barnwell. So you'll see that one, by the way. The winner of the upset special was Eugene in this one. He picked Marion. So Aner travels to Marion on Friday night. On the other side, ring the bell. It is going to be a heavyweight matchup between the Big A around the promised land who knocked out, drug out the team that they needed to play. Now they'll get to see the likes of who is that? Gray Collegiate. Gray Collegiate will be traveling to, of course, uh, Abbeville. In 3A football, of course, again, more solid football happening. Oceanside, unfortunately, had forfeit. That moves on the boys from Camden. Who do they get to see? We talked about it earlier. Gilbert, they come in hungry and thirsty, and they are ready to ball out because they knocked out the powerhouse Dylan. The Wildcats are done, but here come the Bulldogs hosting Gilbert next, or this Friday night. On the other side, in the upstate, it's all Wren. All day long, they knocked out Woodruff to advance that again, a 4A state championship last year, working on a 3A this year. On the other side, watch out for the boys of Daniel. Daniel goes on the road and beats a 3A state champion last year in Chapman. And now here comes Daniel to the party as they will represent the upstate on that side of the bracket in 3A. You look at the 4A, we actually watched this one pretty closely. This one was a lot of fun with Buford's high-flying offense. They got a lot of points, but not enough because Myrtle Beach and the boys over there on the Grand Strand made a trip down to the low country and brought back a win back up there on Ocean Boulevard. Who do they play? Well, another game that we watched, and that was North Myrtle Beach. The Chiefs took down the boys of North Augusta. It was a great matchup. I think North Augusta gave some people some good game film. Myrtle Beach, I'm sure, and Mickey Wilson will be watching that a lot because a lot of things were shown on both teams that game on Friday night. But it is a rematch 
of the two, like you saw in 2A, it's the same in 4A between region foe, North Myrtle Beach, hosting Myrtle Beach. We may be at that game. Stay tuned. On the upper side of the things, it's Catawba Ridge. Learning a little bit more about these guys as they went on the road to Irmo. Knocked out the boys of Irmo to move on to play a team that I think we all feel in 4A is probably the team to watch out for in AC Flora as they knocked out South Point. And then we head to 5A football, and I think we kind of figured some of this, but maybe not. How about the lower state? First of all, Sumter takes out the boys of Wood of River Bluff. They ran out of steam after beating Fort Dorchester in week one. Week two, not enough. Here comes Sumter. That defense is strong. That offense and the quarterback did what they needed to to now travel to Dutch Fork, who also had a little bit of a battle against Carolina Force, but they come out victorious, and they will host the lower state championship once again as these guys are going for another ring this year. The upper state, T.L. Hanno, how about this? Knocks out, drags out, beats Gaffney. The score looked one way, but ladies and gentlemen, if you didn't watch it, you didn't listen to it or follow it, you wouldn't even imagine it wasn't always that close. But they, nevertheless, T.L. Hanna gets the win. On the other side, and again, Coach Steele picked this one on Monday. These guys are rolling, and it's Northwestern. They knock out Hillcrest. They knock out Dorman. Now they will host T.L. Hanna in the Upper State Championship game on Friday night, playing the day after Thanksgiving. Man, how great is it? Eugene, you got a chance, I think, for the first time last year to practice with a team on Thanksgiving. I've had an opportunity to do it many times, and uh, having that chance to do it makes it that much more special, and you don't know what it's like until you actually get that opportunity. Yeah, I tell you, it's actually a special moment. I miss it this year. You know, it's, wow. You know, it, it, it's crazy when, you you know, you got the whole team there. You got, you know, a chance to practice together, that early morning thing. It's a cool time of the year. You know, temperature-wise, it's early morning. Everybody's looking forward to the family coming in. You got some family that gets to come out to practice that might be in town visiting that, you know, don't normally get to see that and, you know, uh, last year, you know, the, after the practice was over, kind of took a little bit and kind of gathered everybody around. The mayor said some things to the team and from the town of Mount Pleasant. And then, you know, some players kind of stood in the middle of the ring, so to speak, and said what they were thankful for. It was just, it was such a special moment. And, you know, for, for anybody, any players that's listening that never got that chance to, you know, to have that practice on Thanksgiving morning, it, it's something very, very special. You only get four chances to do it at the high school level, and uh, for those that have done it, you know, I know there's some teams that do it every year, it seems like. And, uh, you know, for those that haven't, you know, it's definitely something that should be your goal every year, something to strive for uh, is that practice on Thanksgiving morning because it's really special. We Very special deal indeed. And, and again, I remember, you know, it's that thought that you go – leaving practice on Wednesday and you're like, well, I got to get up in the morning. I got to get over here and do it. But then once you get there, it, it, it's almost like, you know, that long ride that, that you got, you can't wait to, to get on and you can't wait to get there and you get to Disney world. You got to wait in that long line, but man, when you get to the front of the line, it's all worth it. it it's just different. Usually during normal circumstances, parents come in and they, they kind of, they'll feed the kids they, they it's a special deal for not only the players, but the families that are involved. Again, you mentioned teams that, that normally do that. Dutch Fork, man, they, this is just kind of what they do. And once again, they're going to do it again this year before they see Sumter, a team that's going to travel 
in and around, I guess, 378 as they'll make that trip into Columbia. You know, we'll talk more about this game right here with, of course, uh, our 730 and 8 o'clock uh, guest, of course, our celebrity guest. When we go to pick all these games will be Coach Perry Parks as he joins us all the way from Columbia. And, of course, he is part of that huge – got to tell you, watch out for these guys next year. And, uh, of course, Ridgeview, the high school that came from 4A to 5A. And, again, you look at the teams that they lost to, right? And I think this is something that you talked about, Eugene, as well. You and I were talking about on Saturday. The two teams that they lost to are balling out, are playing out. And the other team they scrimmage is balling out, playing out, and that's, of course, Dutch Fort. But I think uh, Coach Perry Parks is doing it the right way. A former Shauna Clear, by the way, played for Coach Bennett. So you know he's a dog. He's definitely a dog, and he's got – Everything going in the right way with some of the best get-up gear in that um, five-star cloth that these guys put on their uh, chest every time they go out on the battlefield, Eugene. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to hearing this insight because if anybody's got insight on the two teams, you know, in in the upper state final, uh, it's definitely him. You know, he's played one, uh, and that was probably, you know, Hannah's closest game all year is that 28-20. to Uh, You know, and then, of course, you know, he played Northwestern as well. You know, it, it goes to show now looking back, you know, we didn't do that before because we didn't realize what Northwestern was, you know, just how tough that region was he was playing in. You know, that's a heck of a testament moving up from 4A, you know, where everybody's like, you know, they play good football, but they're not quite that 5A level. Well, they move up to 5A with the same dogs they had last year. And, and to make it and to do it in a big way that they've done, you know, that's a heck of a testament to not only the coaching staff, but the players to be able to do that. It definitely is. And I, I think when you kind of look at it in, in perspective, they'll, they'll see a few of these young guys leave and graduate. And that's that's kind of the way this happens here in, uh, in in high school, of course. You know, it's not like college where things are a little different or, or the NFL where things are, are a little different. But for me, you know, I, I look back at it and, and think to myself, okay, well, I, I get it. But, you know, and I think sometimes we kind of forget that, that these kids are high school kids and they're going through things. And, and I'm kind of curious his thought process because I had him on the show about three or four years ago. Darnisha was here with us, and the, uh, she was sitting actually in your seat there, Eugene. And uh, she had brought Perry on. Of course, he's one of those coaches from Cedar Grove, by the way, and no surprise how successful he is in our state. But he had a multiple amount of young dogs that were getting offers from D1 schools. So how is he handling it? How is he putting it all together when it comes down to recruiting? You know, there is that word coming up because, again, early signing period is only a few weeks away, Eugene. Well, it is. And that's the thing that, you know, is such a sore subject this year. You know, we know that the visits got pushed back to April 15th now. So not only do we have this early signing period, which is, you know, driving a lot of anxiety in the 2021, but it's doing so with the college coaches as well. Heck, we know that that's uh, partially driving a decision in Columbia over who the next head coach will be because Ray Tanner said, you know, his goal is he'd like to have someone in place for that, I believe, the December 15th uh, signing period. Right. Yeah, I think so. I think that's one of the many things that they are looking forward to. Let's take a break. It is time to reset some buttons here to get some things kind of situated as we're heading into our number two. I want to thank Kevin Billadu from Live 5 News, also CBS Sports. He's part of that CBS affiliate here in the low country. I want to thank him for all the energy, all the effort, and all the pies that he missed as he covered Friday Night Lights. Still, we will find out his favorite pie. We'll send him one via Southern Sport 
Central. Got a break, come back, and we're heading to Charlotte, North Carolina. Reginald Walker Jr. right out of this break, guys. Don't go anywhere. Southern Sports Central coming up right after this. Welcome back, everybody. Hour one is in the books. Here comes hour two, and we bring it strong right out of the rip with Reginald Walker Jr. to Southern Sports Central. My brother from another mother, what's the word in Charlotte on a beautiful Monday evening? Finally, Reginald is back to Thanksgiving week. (laughs) I love it. We're great. Life is good. Everything is uh, on order, if you will. I've already got Kevin Billadu, by the way. Uh, go ahead and ready because your parting answer coming up from you is going to be what is the one thing food-wise that you're looking forward to. So before you get out of here at the end of the show, make sure that uh, or the end of the uh, interview, we make sure that you um, let us know that. His is pies, by the way, so we're going to send him a pie uh, here uh, at some point in the next few hours. That being said, it is Thanksgiving week, a little different, right? I mean, you know, we know the Macy's Day Parade is still going to happen, but they're putting the balloons on the trucks. They're going to have a few shows over at the Macy's in front of that tree that did not look so healthy, look very 2020-ish, if you will. Definitely some differences, <laughs> but we're looking forward to it because at least, even though it won't be the same, why would it be, right, Reggie? Absolutely. I mean, guys, you think about this. I mean, the year we've had, you know, every year they put out, like, the word of the year around this time. They can't figure out what it is because every right. month it's been something different, whether it's COVID or super spreader or uh, or not guilty or just all these random things because of cases and COVID and coronavirus and all these things going on. And, and guys, to add to that, guess what we're going to get next week? What's that? We're going to get some Tuesday morning college football on oh, with the Charlotte 49ers hosting Western Kentucky. How about that? That's, and two guys that matter. In fact, they, they, there's connections, by the way, to the low country on both because Dalen Powell is a big offensive lineman from the guys that are going to be coming into town that you're going to be covering. Of course, you already know about the little running back. He's a big back, actually. I hate to say little guy, but you already know what he can do. He's from Oceanside. You know, so there is a lot of uh, low country love in this game, just like what we thought we were going to see in Gardner-Webb, but – yeah, I love it. You can't get enough football, man. Look, Eugene and I were talking about it late into the evening, early morning Sunday as we were watching, you know, the pack do their thing at like 3.30 in the morning. I was like, I don't care if it's bad football. <laughs> it's called football. I love it, and I want some more of it. 
Yeah, I mean, I, listen, you know, what we've seen <clears throat> over this college football season, uh, you've seen some greatness. You've seen some not-so-great plays. You've seen chaos, and you've seen everything in between. And just when we thought we had seen it all, right, we get the Clemson truck with all their equipment leaving a stadium <laughs> at 1030 in the morning when they were supposed to play at 12 because the game is not going to be played and Dabo Sweeney, guys, is on fire about it. Let me ask you this. I just uh, we, we kind of we're going to give all of you guys that come in here now, by the way, if you guys know, you know, let's give you a little background check here on Reginald Walker, Jr. He is a radio analyst and TV for UNCC and Gardner-Webb University, he does multiple things on multiple outlets around the country. He's a big time facet and a huge staple on Southern Sports Central multiple nights, definitely here on Monday nights at 7 p.m. But here's the other caveat to that is he played for the legendary coach Joe Paterno over there at, of course, Penn State. We won't talk Penn State tonight. I'm going to leave you alone with that. It is, it, it's Ooh. a touchy topic. I'd rather talk COVID with you than talk about Penn State. Now that kind of tells you where I'm at with Penn State. But given your credentials, Man, you know, give me your side on it. We just heard from Kevin Billadu his side, but a guy who's a former player in a Power Five conference, but you've been out of the league for a little minute, you've been out of the system for a while, but now you do what we do. What's your take on this whole debacle that took place on Saturday morning? Well, I think, guys, I, I, here's my biggest issue with it, and and this is something that, um, you know, just in talking to different programs, I'm listening to how they deal with their protocols. Uh, and that's why I think we've seen so many coaches talk about playing very regionalized opponents. And the reason why is because if you can make it a bus trip, you can get a couple of extra buses and spread your guys out more. When you're flying, you can't do that. You, have, you only have a certain amount of space in one plane. And so to me, guys, I just look at it and I know people are going to say a lot of different things. I don't think it is prudent to put players on a plane without having their latest test results before they travel. Hmm. Uh, look, you can say that the kid was uh, – the, the, they're talking about a Clemson backup offensive lineman, I believe. You can say that the kid was asymptomatic or whatever all you want, but there is no reason he should take a test in the morning and then get on a plane with his teammates and land to find out that he is positive. That's why a lot of programs, they tweak their testing protocol. They will test Monday and Wednesday every week for those that are testing three days a week. And then they test Thursday if they are traveling so that they have those results before they get on the plane Friday. And if they're at home, they'll test Friday because they can tell said player and maybe the roommate, do not come to this stadium Saturday because we know you have a positive test. And so to me, I think this was one of those situations to where the process is flawed a little bit, and I know there's other conferences that test every day and, and all these different things, and, I, I, and, and they may very well test more than just three days a week at Clemson, but from what I understand – based on what I've read and some of the people that I've talked to, the young man tested negative two times earlier in the week, but then Friday the test came back positive. My only question is why is anybody traveling with a test score pending? That, to me, 
is a failure on Clemson's part. Now, whether that's a conference protocol or not, to me that's irrelevant. If you're going to come out and guys, you you, you remember what I said about about uh, you know before this the season even got here, when we were in the summer talking about whether it was the shirt that Mike Gundy wore or the comment that another coach made, it's about reading the room and not being tone deaf. Don't come out here as coaches, which a lot of them are, and the first thing they say is, we thank our medical people for doing such a great job keeping us aligned with what the protocols may or may not be. Well, either they did, and you're mad about it now as a coach, I'm talking dabble strictly right now, or B, they didn't. And so to me, or C, okay, I guess you can blame it on Florida State. But my point is, again, we as the adults in the room, assuming, right, going by the concept that the players, 18 to 22, are kids. We as the adults have to be the ones responsible for the room. And so to me, that player should not have gotten on the plane. No player should get on a plane to travel to a game without test results back. Now, here's the kick to that, though. And, Eugene, I'm going to give you credit here. Eugene said the team took eight buses from Death Valley to Tallahassee. Is that a fact on your – Eugene, I'm going to let you come in here a little bit because there's a couple more things I want to get. So I don't want to stick long on this, Eugene. i got to kind of set him up. You know, he's, he has a job that he, he does a little bit more of this breaking it down stuff. But that being said, Eugene, uh, you know, you're hearing that factual. You got some facts on that one? Yes, and that was part of the expenses. It was $350,000 to travel. They took eight buses so that they could spread the kids out on the buses. Uh, my understanding based on what I saw was that even during travel and even during the meetings, they set up these tents outside. You know, Dabo referred to it as the uh, uh, Ringling Brothers Circus Tent so that they can watch film in an outside environment. Was that even then on the buses and in any type of meetings, they had the face shields on. But they didn't travel on the plane. They took uh, eight buses. And, again, it was about $360,000 in cost. Uh, to travel that way with the medical personnel, all the PPE and all the distancing and, you know, to set up the outside tents in the parking lots of the hotels and things like that. So they bust down and then flew back because I saw a video of them climbing on a plane to come back. Again, that's what I was – that's what Dabo had said wow. in his initial consult, and I'll look <laughs> it up and we'll uh, – I'll tag you. No, I, I don't disagree find with it. I, I don't disagree with it. I've never known them to take a bus to Florida State. Granted, this is COVID. It's different. But if they have gone to other – now, this, again, goes to repetition. What made them change it this time if they've historically flown to take buses? COVID in general or concerns about results? And, again, to add to that, that bus ride is not short. That's at least five hours. So did they take the test and then immediately get on the bus? Again, why is a player traveling without a test result? I'm with you. If they took buses, I give them credit. But I'm still trying to figure out, and again, I'm going off of what I've read and the people that I've talked to that indicated that they flew. Um, I I hear you, Eugene, and I'm not going to argue with you. I trust you. I believe in your judgment and the people that you have spoken to, so I will say that to that this. Taking a bus was smarter, or buses was smarter. 
But again, I wonder why a player's traveling without a confirmed result one way or the other. That's a good point, Sarah. Eugene, we're going to move forward. We'll table that because I know Eugene wants to rebuttal this, but we can spend hours on hours on this one conversation. Another one, this was something I heard going into the afternoon. Now, you guys know that uh, multiple Gamecocks decided to opt out of their season. One of those was J.C. Horn. Of course, he explained why he elected opt of the 2021 uh, and to enter the draft during the 21 on uh, Jordan Reed, a former NFL football player, I'm going to play this for you. I'm also going to play this for you, Reggie. I want you to hear this, and I'm just curious your thoughts, okay, as a player, right? I want to hear your thoughts, and I want you to listen to the beginning. To me, it's the most important part of this whole interview, and then I'm going to follow it up with a guy who decided not to opt out and why he didn't. Here's the first one. Again, this is J.C. Horn, who's decided to forego three games, three games, and get ready for his draft status coming up next to or in the 2021 year. The decision to opt out, we know everything that's went down at South Carolina over the past a few weeks or so. We don't need to go into detail about that. So just what, what went behind the decision to opt out and then the time to do so? Uh, it, was, it was a um, big decision, um, mainly because, you know, we were struggling. Um, I felt like it was I was risking a lot going back out there those, those last three games and also it's my family situation. You know, I had my, my grandparents came down with COVID. Uh, my granddad losing a lot of weight. Um, my, aunt, my aunt actually was in the hospital. She she was struggling going through it, but she's starting to get better now, thankfully. Um, but I didn't I didn't I didn't say any of that. Uh, but that, it wasn't just opting out, putting on my team. My team know how I feel about them. You know, it was just a lot going on mentally for me, and I just felt like it was the right right decision at the time. All right, so there's that conversation, and I'm going to find this other one real quick because I, I want to hear your thoughts on these two. All right, Reggie, and, and there's a reason I'm doing this because I believe honestly that this young man here speaks his mind and why he's decided. Now, it's plain and simple to me uh, that this is uh, how you earn and continue to get respect and Sedaris Hutchinson and his response to what he had to say as far as why he decided to come back and be that senior for the remainder of the year on the field. This Clemson game, I told y'all that it's unfinished business. With me as a senior, um, I know what adversity is like. And at the end of the day, my guys needs a leader. And um, they look up to me and a couple and a few more other players. And it just wouldn't be right for me to leave. And um, at the end of the day, I'm finishing out. I was raised that way. My mom and dad always raised me to finish finish anything that I started. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to finish these last two games like a man, regardless of we win or lose. But I'm not going to trade these guys for anything in the world. I, I will play any game. If we have a bowl game, I'm still going to play with them, regardless of what happens. Now you got two different guys that are both seniors. One stays, one goes. Reggie, and I will, Eugene, I'm going to give you a few minutes to get ready. I'm going to come back to this. But, Reggie, your thoughts between Horn and his deciding to leave and get ready on his goals and Sedarius to come back and be a part of the goals for the Gamecocks. First thing is, the only thing I can do is go by what they say, right? Because I don't know those two kids. And and my issue with Horn is I didn't even need the first part of that conversation. To say we know what's going on, why? Why? The only thing he needed to do there was say, listen, because of COVID and my family situation, 
and what it has done to my family, I think I need to step away and, 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 and stay on the safer side of this thing as opposed to traveling and doing some of the things, playing, being a part of a, a large team, all that kind of stuff. There's a way to say it. Um, but basically what many people are going to infer is that he was mad that they got rid of the coach that he came there to play for, the Will Muschamp. And now the math also says that he was already there, if memory serves, if the number of years is right. He was already there on his way in when Muschamp got there. So I don't think Muschamp specifically recruited him, he being a – Horn being a senior, and I believe this was only Muschamp – well, this was Muschamp's fourth year. So this this does, right, it was his fourth year at at South Carolina for Muschamp, correct? That is correct. Yeah, so I guess they essentially came in together. Um, Look. This is another prime example, and you and I, you guys and I have talked about this. That's why you don't commit to a coach. You commit to that school and that program. Because oftentimes when that coach leaves, then there's some disdain uh, for the player with that university or the next coach or whatever the case may be. Um, so I, I, didn't, I didn't like – I don't have a problem with Horn's family reasoning. I have a problem with him mentioning the other part first and then mm-hmm. going to the family. Because I've always said this, I don't care who you are or what you do, your family should always come first. Problem with anybody that cites family as the initial reason to do anything. Right. Because and, and I agree with you. That, that person's was... family, and I'm not in their shoes. Right. That was the now, first the thing that I heard, though. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. It comes down to what comes out of your mouth first. Because usually that's what the truth. That's where the truth is, mm. in a lot of ways. Um, in terms of Sedarius, I, listen, I respect what he said, um, and I also understand that. I remember there was a time in high school to where uh, I had some teammates that were were ready to walk away from our team, and the conversation amongst the leaders and captains was, "Listen, some of you guys are not seniors." You can quit, but you can't come back here at all to play. You don't quit on this program because when you signed up, you signed up to at least finish the season. And so to me, that's what it comes down to. If you start it, you finish it. Uh, Listen, Horn, I get his whole, look, there's money on the line. There's the potential for it. I get all that. But those were all factors before Will Muschamp got fired. They were all factors. You before Muschamp got fired, you were two and four. Then you go to two and five. Then he gets fired. How much changed in thirty six hours? <laughs> you were still a bad football team. The family concerns were already there. This was basically telling the administration. You got rid of our guys, so we no longer care about you guys that are calling the shots. And you know what? That's their prerogative to do it. It is. It's not something I would recommend as a parent or as a player. Right. Let me ask you this, though. Because of the fact that you just named you, – you said this. Eugene, I'm coming to you right in about 30 seconds. Do you – how, how do you handle this administration-wise? We paid you to do a job. In the real world, if you decide to step out, then out steps all that comes with it. In, in about 10 seconds to 20, could you, can you wrap up 
how does how, how does the administration handle this situation and why doesn't he just go to the administration and say, look, this is what I'm doing. I don't want to go public with it. Can you just sit me on the sideline and it never become a headline? Because kids have a platform and they enjoy using it. That's number one. And number two, uh, what happens with the administration, which was actually your initial question, mm-hmm. they just let it go. They, they have to understand that come January, the kid is not a part of the program anymore. Now, if he's still on campus, they can make a decision on what to do with the scholarship. My guess is they're going to pull it. If he needs it in the spring, they're probably going to pull it. But they're not going to say anything publicly because they don't want the PR nightmare. Right. Very true. Eugene, I'll give you about 30 seconds. I'll give you a minute, man. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna, it's Thanksgiving. I'm thankful for you. Yeah, give, give me a minute, minute man. <laughs> what do you think there, buddy? Give, when I tell him a minute, that means two and a half. So he knows where I'm going with that. So. <laughs> no, short, short and sweet here, man. Um, and that was the perfect segue with uh, their platform. Here's my deal. If you opt out and you say, look, man, uh, the season didn't go the way we want. Um, you know, I'm terrified of an injury right now. You know, right now I'm, i, I got to look for, you know, my future and, and the best interests of my family and I. Okay. If there's some COVID issues and you're traveling in your family and you're worried about that, Okay, but my question, my problem is, just like Reggie said, they have their platform. When they opt out and they say it's because this, that, the other, and yet their Twitter feeds are saying, you know, I'm ready for the NFL and have all these uh, emojis of of money bags and dollar signs, that to me, you're not backing up what you said in the media with what you're trying to do, you know, on on your social media and kind of almost pseudo-private account. Well put there. Eugene nailed it in about a minute and 42 seconds, by the way. Great job under two-minute drill there. (laughs) I don't want to stir the pot, but I will ask you this question. Talking about stirring the pot, it seems like it is getting stirred up in a big way. Eugene and I talk about this off the air throughout multiple days here in the last couple weeks. And not only has COVID taken the game out between Tennessee and Vanderbilt coming up this weekend, it looks like there's a lot more going on in Rocky Top, and it seems to be Rocky once again. And this is a coach who Eugene brought it to my attention, and I agree with him. He has everything to do when it comes to structure, because why? He's a Nick Saban guy. But now he's over in Rocky Top. He's got great recruits sitting over there. I thought he had some pretty good coaches. These young kids love him, but they're not winning football. They're not doing what they started doing towards the middle at the end of last year. It didn't carry into this year. What's happening in Rocky Top, and what do you do to fix it? Two's a bad football player. I shouldn't say a bad football player. Two is not playing well. And two meaning Jared Garantano. They have an issue at the quarterback position. And, and look, I know he ain't walking through that door. Matter of fact, he's the AD and he has COVID now. Uh, Philip Fulmer. They don't, they, I haven't seen a Tennessee offensive line. Guys, the Tennessee offensive lines we grew up watching, we haven't seen that since Peyton Manning and T. Martin left. They don't have the dominant offensive line running the football. Think about some of these offensive, some of these running backs that we've seen in the history of that school, whether it's Jamal Lewis, Travis Stevens, Travis Henry, Montario Hardesty, uh, uh, Jay Graham. Uh, I can continue to go down the list. You think about some of the receivers that we've seen come out of that program, Marcus Kent, uh, uh, Marcus Nash, Joey Kent, Peerless Price, uh, Copeland, Kelly Washington, uh, 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 the kid that played up in uh, up in Cincinnati with the Bengals for a long time with Jeff Blake, uh, Carl Pickens. 
Those kinds of play- we have not seen that explosion in about a decade, really, from Tennessee. And, and and that starts with an offensive line that allows the protection to push the ball down the field. It starts with an offensive line that can create the space uh, for those running backs to run. And, guys, I, it's just real simple for me. They haven't answered the bell in winning and dominating the line of scrimmage in a long time at Tennessee. And, and, and until Jeremy Pruitt gets that figured out, that will allow the quarterback to play better. But Garantano right now, what they're trying to do with him and, and what he is, and the reason why I, I, I step back on my comment that, that two is not a good football player is because I'm reminded of what Urban Meyer said. There's not a bad football player. You go to Tennessee, you're a pretty good football player. But you got to be coached to do what you do best and, 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 and those types of things. It has to mesh. And right now it's not meshing. They got to check under the hood and really evaluate what it is. And guys tell you, and I'm looking at college football consistently. And I think the biggest problem that we're seeing to me is the mentality of everybody says, fit your scheme to the players that you go get and recruit. My issue with that is everybody's recruiting the rankings. Because if you go recruit a bunch of guys that just fit the system you want to run, half of them or more are not going to be probably in the ESPN top 300. Just simple math with the amount of programs and all that. More than half of your class is not going to be those top guys. But they're going to fit what you want to do. The problem is your fan base is going to say we're not going to be very good because that's how they look at it. They want to hear that we're in the top five recruiting class. That's what they want to hear. Well, the reality is sometimes you got to figure out what your scheme is. Go get the guys that already fit what you do and try to win that way. And I think Jeremy Pruitt is trying to figure out how to mold those two philosophies together. Well. I like that take piece. That's the thing to me, and I, and I looked at it when Eugene and I were talking about it, and I thought, well, they don't have a T. Martin. They don't have a Peyton Manning. They don't have that quarterback, right? They don't have that guy. But maybe, just maybe it's that front line they don't have. And, and again, they do an incredible job of getting athletes. They really do. They've got Kenny Solomon over there from Sakasi. They've got that big stud all the way from uh, Columbia and Dutch Fork. That wide receiver, Jalen Hyatt, who's done big things. They've got other dudes and dogs from around, but have they invested in the meat, literally, right, of the lineup, and that is the offensive defensive line, and get the trenches dug out right so that they have time to throw the ball, have time to make decisions and hand off at the right time. Is that kind of, again, kind of recapping, I guess, what you're saying? Yeah, I mean, I remember a time, guys, think about it. There was a stretch of probably about seven or eight years where there was a tennis, at least one Tennessee offensive lineman that was a top 10 pick or at least projected that high. I haven't heard that in 15 years. Mm. Not, especially not consistently. And so to me, that's where you have to start looking at it and figuring out what's going on there. Now, the other thing with Tennessee, and, and this is not a knock, and, and, and guys, for, as for full disclosure to the viewer, the listeners, uh, I, my family, we are originally from Memphis, Tennessee, so I can say this about the state. It ain't a whole lot of guys that are super high-level offensive linemen in that state that are dominant SEC-type offensive linemen. They have to go recruit. You think about some of the best players that come through that program over the years. They are not from the state of Tennessee. Whether you look at a guy like Peyton Manning, who was from uh, uh, Louisiana, uh, you know, you, you look at you look at a guy like, 
uh, Dante Stallworth. He's from Sacramento, okay? Tennessee has to go to all different parts of the country. The question right now is where are they getting and developing their offensive line, and, and where is the focus on that position? And to me, right, I don't guys, see an answer uh, to that right now. This is Eugene. I got to rock on that for just a second, uh, Reggie. So here's my thing. You, you, I agree with you. You haven't seen the offensive linemen since like a Munoz and those guys were there. Um, but, you know, one thing going back to, to when they were so dominant, you know, for the longest time throughout the 90s and early part of 2000s, Clemson, I mean, excuse me, Tennessee was the very first team in college football that had a million-dollar-plus recruiting budget. They used to outspend everyone for 15, 20 years. Now, a couple of things is, you know, they haven't won that infamous third Saturday in October in, what, 10 years? They haven't even been close but once against Alabama. So they're losing a lot of those guys, so you got to go out of state. But as for this Saturday, this Saturday, and here's what ruffled my feathers when I was talking to Richie about it, they beat Auburn in every statistical football category known to mankind. That means the players are doing their job. So how do you lose? To me, that's on coaching. It's also on turnovers. And, and that goes back to, again, number two, at the quarterback position, turning the football over. And, 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 and I'm, I'm going to hit you with this, guys. The last Tennessee offensive lineman drafted, 2014. Wow. 2014. Well, I'm sure those field goal kickers would like to have a few back from Saturday as well because uh, going well, over yeah, well. in an NCC game sucks. Yeah, you, I mean, you can, absolutely. And, and, and I think, look, guys, I also think, too, it's, it's about, you know, trying to build that program, which Jeremy Pruitt's trying to rebuild it um, and fix it. And there were a lot of things wrong with it, whether you can blame it on Butch Jones or not. Because here's the thing, guys. On paper, Butch Jones should have been a top 15 team. They were winning in recruiting, but you got to have that player development. Now, Jeremy Pruitt, I know his recruiting numbers have been okay, but maybe he's more looking at the player development the long play. I don't know, but I know one thing is this. You've got to win the line of scrimmage, and you can't turn the football over. And, and, and Eugene, you know this better than anybody, and I love telling people this and reminding people of this. Special teams may not win you a game, but guys, it'll definitely lose you one. Yeah, I can't I agree, agree with more, you, man. Uh, let's go, man. I agree one hundred percent. I mean, teams can say what they want. Special teams return. Special teams can lose you a game if you don't take care of it and approach it the right way. I totally agree with you. And the final thing, because we got to go to break here. We're up against the 7.30 clock here. And, of course, uh, we always appreciate you. But this is close to where you are. You're in Charlotte. There's a team coming to your state that's undefeated that knocked out the Clemson Tigers a few weeks back. They are the Fighting Irish. They're 8-0 and overall. They're 7-0 and in the ACC. Now, they've got a serious test Saturday at 3.30 against North Carolina atop a top 25 matchup there. Your thoughts here in a 6-2 in both region play and overall, what do you think? Do you think that there will be some dancing in the locker room with a guy that's done it before in North Carolina? Or do you think Notre Dame just proves it one more time that they're serious about making a trip and being a part of this national championship this year? 
Well, we're going to find out if that young talent and that young defense is learning from its mistakes at North Carolina. Uh, right now, it looks like uh, definitely uh, Notre Dame's center is out for the year, and they're going to be missing an additional offensive lineman as well. That is, to me, guys, and I said this to you before, that is one of the top five offensive lines in the country. They're getting ready to be on the road on a Friday night right after Thanksgiving against the North Carolina football team that can score some points. And I'm going to tell you right now, if I'm North Carolina and I'm a defensive lineman, I am licking my chops for an opportunity to go against a couple of backups because those starters for Notre Dame are really good. They're really good. And if you're going to be down two of them, this is where North Carolina has to win the line of scrimmage. They have to dominate up front to keep guys like Sebo Flemister in check in that running game and then make Ian Book uncomfortable as a passer. And then they, I think they've got a chance to beat Notre Dame. But if this offensive line just plugs and plays and they still are dominant with the, the new five, if you will, or the, the, the additional two guys that are having to step in, and those guys said, then I think it's going to be a long night for North Carolina. We're live right now, wrapping it up with the legendary Reginald Walker Jr. You can hear him on the radio, see him on the TV. He's an analyst for UNCC up there in Charlotte. Also, Gardner Webb University, but he does it right here on Southern Sports Central, 7 o'clock Monday night. Final parting question. What is the one meal, what is the one thing you can't wait for come Thursday morning as we get ready for Thanksgiving? Oh, gosh, it's real simple. I mean, for me, it's my mother's collard greens, baby. I got to have the collars for moms, and if I don't have them, I'm going to lose my mind. So with that being said, I'm going to repeat it. My mama's collard greens. There you go. Appreciate you guys. Take care of yourselves. I'll talk to you next week. Until then, we are. All right, buddy. Hey, happy Thanksgiving to you and your family, my man. We'll talk to you soon. Happy Thanksgiving to you guys, and uh, happy Thanksgiving to all the listeners. Everybody enjoy it. Be thankful and be safe. Always a pleasure. Ladies and gentlemen, he comes, he goes, and he drops a ton of knowledge on his way in and out of the show here. That was the legendary Reginald Walker Jr. You can hear him. You can see him. You can do it all right there as he covers the UNC fellas, the 49ers, and also the Gardner-Webb University Bulldogs over there. Of course, uh, he does a lot of things around the state. He does it right here on Southern Sports Central on Monday nights at 7 o'clock. We do have to take a quick break. When we come back, I'm going to a man that has done many things. Back to high school we go with Joe L. Hughes II. He's with the Gaston Gazette, the Shelby Star tonight. He's with Southern Sports Central. Don't go anywhere. The big man is coming up next. And we're back now. Of course, uh, we want to bring him in in style. That is Joe L. Hughes II. He is with the Gaston Gazette, the Shelby Star. And tonight at 730, he's with Southern Sports Central. What's going on, Big Joe? 
Doing well, doing well. How are you? Good, man. We're trying to get you a nice little intro. I'm going to bring it to you if I don't send you out that way, but I want to thank you for your time here tonight as we are trying to key up some, uh, cue up some good music for you. But that being said, man, we are in, wow, of the high school football playoffs in the state of South Carolina. We already got the final four. The stages are set. The destinations are known. It is come Friday night with a couple of rematches like Marion and Andrews and North Myrtle Beach, and that's just to name a few of the big games going on around the state, man. Tell me, what's your thought as we've got two weeks of play our belt, buddy? Man, I think it mainly pivots to that North Myrtle Beach-Myrtle Beach matchup, and uh, I've, I've called it the biggest game in Grand Strand sports history, in part just because this is a matchup that you always wanted, but it, you never thought it would materialize, especially after North Myrtle Beach being what they were and barely being able to win games earlier this decade, and now they're a powerhouse. And then Myrtle Beach being the powerhouse and the standard in that area of the state, this is this is without a doubt the biggest game in North Myrtle Beach history. I don't know if it's the biggest game in Myrtle Beach history, but it's the biggest game right now for Myrtle Beach. So uh, I'm looking forward to that one. And, of course, everything, every other game that's going on in the state this, this weekend is huge. And it, it's huge for the kids, huge for these communities. And I, I'm just happy that we – that the kids have been able to have the chance to play. We're live right now with Joe L. Hughes II with the Gaston Gazette, the Shelby Stars, and he talks about that Myrtle Beach team and that North Myrtle Beach team. He spent a lot of years over on the Grand Strand working for a company called The Sun News, a publication that's been around a long time up there on the Grand Strand. They've been sticking out like a sore thumb, if you will, in that big, bright yellow box on the side of your highway back when they used to put them. I don't know. Do you, did, do you guys still use that? Is that a thing still? I mean, I, I can't remember the last time I've seen a newspaper stamp. Uh, I know in the Myrtle Beach area, you're probably not going to find one like that. No, it's, right. it's, just a, it's just how the business works now. It's just how it works. Now, let me ask you this, and I say that with all due respect because it didn't make your jobs any easier, right? Because here's social media. Joe, and you guys now, oh, you can take your work home? Well, that's not always a good thing for you and your family because now you're up at 3, 4 o'clock in the morning putting stories together, writing recaps, if you will, breaking stories and getting the headlines and the details because you have that opportunity, thanks to social media and the Internet, that you guys now take your work home more than you take it to the office, right? Man, I I have counted. I've probably been back to my office maybe five or six times since March. Um, and uh, it does make it difficult because you used to be able to just leave leave work at work and have home be home, but now it's it's tougher just because it, work is work is right in front of you at all times. And then you might have your baby that wants to crawl up on you and snuggle and just get a little love, you know. And you're <laughs> like, baby, I got to do a little work. I can't I can't do that right now. It, it's tough, but but I. Uh, Thank God I've been able to just uh, make it work. Now, I'm going to see if uh, we get you some numbers here. We're charting you down, by the way, because you are going to give us a few answers, if you don't mind now. And then Perry Parks is going to give us some answers. He already knows at 8 o'clock. And we're going to compare you two along with Eugene and myself. And a few coaches on Wednesday night are going to be jumping in here with us to see who's got the best crystal ball of them all when it comes down to the third week of the playoffs. When you look at a game like I would say Lakeview, the Gators, when they come in and do what they do against a very good team ready to play, traveling will be Bamberg, Earhart, and 
1A football. 1A football is like the old school Friday Night Lights, right? I mean, what do you like in this matchup? Have you have you kind of gotten any opportunity to look at these two matchups or this matchup here? Man, Lakeview, Lakeview is always going to be who they are. They're, they are the they are the stand one of those standard teams down there in 1A. And uh, whenever whenever you hear about them, whenever you see them, you know that you're in for you're in for a big game and for a big fight. But Bamberg Earhart is actually that's what they want, and they mm-hmm. they're a tough, rugged, hardworking community, and their football team really kind of it mirrors that. And the thing is, it's hard to pick against either one of these teams, but you got to at this point. Uh, so <laughs> if if I had to do it, I would take Lakeview. Lakeview is on the list. Eugene is charting you down. We'll recap with you. Trust us on Monday. Looking at the uh, other side, the other side. That's the upstate of one A. This team has kind of come out of nowhere. Southside Christian. You know, I don't know a whole lot about them, Joe, when it comes down to it, but I know this. I know they're one of the best four teams left in 1A football. They're going to get to see a team like Lamar. We know Lamar. We're very familiar with it. Joe, break down this heavyweight matchup that's going to take place Friday night. Yeah, it's kind of how that bizarre split of upper state and lower state ends up in in 1A where you have a team that's basically in the PD area that's in the lower state rather than in the upper state, which is – Definitely where Southside Christian is, right outside of Greenville. But um, I remember when Southside Christian used to be a ha- used to be one of those teams that you used to love having on homecoming, and you <laughs> used to love seeing them come around. It's not like that anymore. They they're a team that has skilled guys all over the place. They have guys that have speed. They run sideline to sideline, and Lamar, for as good as they are, and I I really 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 like Lamar, but. Southside Christian seems like they're on a on a mission and they're on a whole other level right now. So you hear that? He likes that Southside Christian loving. Two A football is going to have two teams that I know you know a little bit about. And actually, you know a lot about both of these teams, and you know their coaches as well. And I know Scott Durham's back home listening to us tonight. So hello, coach. How you doing? Good luck Friday night. But you do see a conference play game where you'll see Marion for the second time. They travel to Marion for the second time. Joe, they say it's hard to beat somebody twice, but it's got to make it a little bit easier when you're making them drive all the way to Marion to do it. What do you like in this Andrews-Marion matchup in the final four in the lower state? For the past couple of years, you kind of saw Marion coming because you saw, you saw a lot of these kids and you saw their body type, and they, they just look good. You know, they look like football players. So to see this kind of – see this team mature, grow, and finally get to – the position of being able to play for an opportunity to play for a state championship, that's a big deal. And to have an Andrews team that uh, Coach Durham has been doing an awesome job. Of course, I, that, I, I, love, I love everything about Coach Durham and everything that he's done at, at Andrews. This has been a long time coming for him, for them to make a deep playoff run. But it's hard for me to pick against Marion. And uh, that, they're just a good team. They're, and they are just, they're just a bunch of animals up front. And they're just they're just going to make it hard. They're hard to pick against. Yeah, there it is. Now this one's going to be even harder for you, brother. And I already know your heart's going to tell you you got to love on the Big A. And I wasn't talking about Andrews this time. I'm going with Abbeville. They will be hosting Gray Collegiate. Now Gray has to go by the Promised Land to get there. We brag about that conversation all the time. We told somebody on Saturday. <laughs> 
<laughs> we told somebody on Saturday that, that that's where Abbeville is getting their water from is the promised land. And the coach looked at me and goes, are you serious, dude? Because I need, I need to go get some water for my kids before we hit the field today. But uh, when you look at this matchup, Abbeville, they have what they have. They continue to do what they do. They got some of the, uh, I would say, most uh, dedicated fans in the country, very much so. But they will see a great collegiate team that is very aggressive, very good, and, and, and should give them a matchup. So give me your best uh, point of view on who walks out of this thing or at least crawls out of this thing to victory. This is this is about as even a matchup as you're going to have all weekend in the state. Um, it's, it's really just going to come down to which defense can get stops. And of course, with Abbeville, with Abbeville, you know you're not going to get that many opportunities unless Abbeville scoring all the time. And even if even if you stop Abbeville maybe once or twice, they still have basically one time of possession because they don't care as long as they get three, four, three here, four there. Seven here, six there, four here, seven there. They don't care, just as long as they're able to control. If great, great collegiate is going to have to kind of get muddy and get their noses bloodied a little bit to get to where they want to get to. Mm. Until somebody, until somebody does that, I can't pick against Abbeville. Hey, I gave you that. So he picks the big A in Abbeville. So now we go to three A and we look at a team that didn't have to play last week, thanks to the word that we don't like to use, and it hit Oceanside hard and heavy with Coach Call, but it is the boys of Camden and the Bulldogs kind of walked and talked and ends up in the lower state championship game in 3A, but they saw a team that flexed in multiple ways at home against a Dillon Wildcat team with Nemo Squires and another young man that's going to go play, by the way, football at the next level in power five action and a solid quarterback, but that didn't mean anything to the boys of Gilbert because they walked out with a dub. They will travel now to Camden. What do you think about this Gilbert-Camden matchup, man? It looks a lot better after Friday night. It really does look great. Um, Gilbert did did something that not a lot of people do, and that's embarrass Dylan. Of course, yeah. uh, the, the Dylan team that we've been seeing the past two or three years hasn't necessarily been the Dylan teams that we've been accustomed to. And but it, man, this is a tough one to pick as well. I, I'll have to go with Gilbert though. I think they're a little bit better defensively, have a little bit more punch on the offensive side of the ball even though uh, Camden is darn great with it, I still I still kind of believe that, that momentum that Gilbert has already kind of made for themselves. And also the fact that you're having to stop in the start if you're Camden. You're stopped, you had a right. bye week last week. You would have loved to just keep rolling, keep that momentum rolling, especially after a big game like they had uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, but I, for all those reasons, I picked Gilbert. Yeah, I like your picks. And when you go out and beat Jackie Hayes in 29 years, he doesn't have any losing any losing records, any losing seasons, if you will. The least amount of wins he's ever had is eight, by the way. He's got 14 state appearances. He's won seven of them. Uh, you, you start to look, he's got 21 lower state appearances. And uh, his numbers continue just to thrive and drive. But it wasn't this year. It wasn't last year. I watched them get embarrassed in their game last year. Uh, against a team that got knocked out. We'll go to that game next because it was, if I'm not mistaken, Chapman that knocked out Dillon last year. Well, they got knocked out Friday night against another team called, uh, well, Daniel. Boy, these guys are for real. And they will see Wren. Now, you and I talked about it last year as we watched them win the 4A championship. Now, Wren knocks out Woodruff, so they will see Chester. It is a huge matchup. And, uh, again, I think a lot of big guys – 
on both sides. But I like Daniel because it seems like they got a few more extra guys than Wren, who saw a lot of guys graduate last year. Yeah, and I I didn't expect Wren to make it this far, by the way. Uh, I saw right. them the first game, of the season, and I was not impressed at all. So to see them kind of pick up the pieces and make things – make it to this point of the season – of course, they dropped down a little bit, and that might have a little bit to do with it. But to make it this far, you've done, you've done something right, and they've, they've righted the ship and uh, find themselves in the, with an opportunity to play for a uh, state championship. But I can't pick against Daniel. Uh, <laughs> honestly, Daniel was uh, the, the better team in the uh, upper state last year in 4A, to be honest. They just uh, they just ran into a, a great Ridgeview team that just knew how to have their – had their uh, numbers like, at, on that particular night. But this Daniel team is on a mission, and they're, they, they're basically getting back to what they used to do, and that's running 3A. And I, I really think, think that they are, they are really the team to beat. Yeah, before we go looking at the 4As, we've seen this a lot. A lot of teams have dropped down in classification. You know, we saw a 2A team go down to 1A. We just talked about two 3A teams uh, that used to be in 4A. You know, is this something that we're going to see again in the next turnaround when they go down as far as the classification? I know Monk's Corner, where they have the high school as Berkeley High School, easily, honestly, could be a 4A school. But because of competition and travel becomes a factor, that's why James Island has always kind of stayed at this side of the bracket. Do you see a big change, and are you surprised by some of the things that you've seen in the playoffs with because of the reclassification? No, no. It, it happens. and. There are always certain teams that are on the cusp that may need a drop down to to make sure that they can uh, they can compete <laughs> at the level they want to. Some other teams like Daniel, it doesn't matter where they're where they where they're slided at. They just roll the ball out and play. Uh, right. And then you have, uh, of course, uh, Coach Perry Parks in, in Ridgeview. They moved up this year, and you saw exactly how good they are. The two, I, I think, I said it uh, over the weekend on Twitter. I said. Look at the two teams they lost to. Those two teams right. are still playing. That says a little bit about how good Ridgeview is and was. And not to so, mention they scrimmaged uh, Dutch Fork. I mean, and Dutch Fork's still playing. So they, they, the teams that they struggled with maybe the most are the three teams that are still dominating the best right now, right? I mean, that's kind of the impressive number there. That Let's, let's go to 4A since you bring in – what, what Perry Parks did last year, this year he's in 5A, so we'll get to 5A after this. But we're not going to start on the Grand Strand. It's too easy for you, Joe. I'm going over there to a team that I need you to educate me on, and this is Catawba Ridge. I don't think that's too far from you, by the way, is it? They are seeing a team that I believe is going to be the team to beat out of 4A, and that is AC Flora. But Catawba Ridge is legit, man. Where do these guys come from, and what can you do to educate our listeners and myself and Eugene about these guys that could win it? Man, Catawba Ridge last year opened its doors, and I actually got to see their their first scrimmage or first somewhat game uh, last year when they played a, a Highland Tech team in the in a scrimmage in North Carolina. So a lot of the competition they played last year was North Carolina based competition, and they they fared all right, but they dropped back down to South Carolina, slotted in the conference, and finished second in the conference. But uh, some of it is luck of the draw. Some of it is just being good. I think they've had a little bit of both. Of course, the two teams that they played in the uh, in West Side and Irmo probably were were not two teams that were probably up <laughs> of the best type. But they, let's say this: South Point would have loved having 
Catawba Ridge's draw instead of having to go up against AC Floor in the second round. Uh, but Catawba Ridge really depends on defense, and they really do know how to lay the wood. And they probably had their two best games of the season the past two weeks, which is good going into AC Floor next week. But AC Floor is way too strong. They, uh, they're on a mission as well. They're, they look like men amongst boys. Mm. Yeah, I agree with you there. Now let's go to the Grand Strand. Let's go to the Low Country and the boys on the beach that are balling out, not one but two. And I'll say this about North Myrtle Beach. Being a kid that grew up on the Grand Strand that went to Sacassie, by the way, congratulations. They went 4-2 this year, by the way. That's a stellar season after only winning one game last year. Good job there to the new coaching staff. That being said, we took to the guys that are playing this Friday night, and that is North Myrtle Beach hosting Myrtle Beach. It's hard to beat somebody twice. We said that earlier when we talked about Andrews and Marion. Back in my day, man, North Myrtle Beach didn't have all these guys. They weren't doing all these things, but they are definitely doing it in fashion. You get another chance if you're Myrtle Beach to go in and ruin the season at North Myrtle Beach and Chase Simmons, who is now committed to Coastal. Congratulations, young man. But it's Ryan. Ryan Burke, AJ, who is, of course, heading to North Carolina, and it's another guy who's going to become a big name. Not that he isn't yet, but he's going to commit at one point. And ask Mr. Randall, what do you think about this matchup and the rematch that's going to happen on the beach Friday night? I think the biggest thing for North Myrtle Beach is they aren't scared. Uh, the last time, they, re- they shut them down. Of course, Myrtle Beach had, had their wings clipped a little bit. Uh, Ryan Berger was hurt. Adam Randall got got hit hard early and he wasn't himself and they were able to really bracket coverage uh, on put bracket coverage on JJ and he was he was basically he had his hands tied all night but uh as you said it's hard to beat a team twice and if if Myrtle Beach is, if North Myrtle Beach is going to do it it's going to be because their defense literally put the handcuffs on Myrtle Beach once again uh man <laughs> this is a tough one yeah because I, because it, it's in part because I know both of these teams so well. Exactly. I know the coach. I know Coach Real is going to have his team coached up. They're going to be fundamentally sound. I also know that Mickey Wilson is going to have something else that you did not have in that first game. He's, he hasn't prepared for for uh, for North Myrtle Beach. That said, I'm, I'm taking the home team. Uh, I'm taking North Myrtle Beach. It seems it seems like this is a charmed year for them. And they just seem like they're on a mission. And, again, it, it comes down to the fact that I, I think that their corners can at least limit. I'm not going to say stop. I think that they can limit what Myrtle Beach loves to do, and that's uh, get the ball in the, the hands of those talented wide receivers. Their pass rush is great. Right. Oh, well, you get Chase Simmons. I mean, that's the guy's defensive end. Everybody talks about it. We've seen him at not only the Carolina Experience. We saw him at, at other camps doing other things. He's been on here multiple times with us. Can they put enough on him, and do they focus on that side and open up the other side and somebody else becomes a big name out of this game as well? You see that a lot of times on multiple levels. Now, let's go to the 5A matchup. This one's going to be a lot of fun here, and that is uh, D.L. Hanna. Now, the boys knocked out Gaffney. You were there Friday night, so tell us about that game. And then Northwestern and Dorman. Actually, I think that was the game you were at. Either way, which game were you at? What do you think about this matchup? Because it's a heck of a matchup and should be a hell of a game come Friday night between T.L. Hanna and the team out of Northwestern. Yeah, first let's talk about T.L. Hanna. They, uh, they've kind of stuck with that formula of, hey, we're going to play assignment-based football. We're going to run it. We, we're going to let you know exactly what's coming at you. It's up to you to stop it. Gaffney didn't stop it last week. 
Gaffney did a lot of talking, but they didn't do a lot of stopping. Uh, so T.L. Hannah's going to bring that up there and try to – they're just going to try to run it straight at Northwestern. For Northwestern, that's what Northwestern does well. They run, uh, They know how to play great run defense, and their secondary isn't too shabby either. Uh, I really think this is Northwestern's game to lose, uh, and it has a lot to do with their complementary football. They're not going to make a mistake that is going to cost them the game. They uh, they they didn't play very necessarily very well, especially on the offensive side of the ball in the second half last week. Three drives that Northwestern had to that the Northwestern defense had to have to keep Dorman off the scoreboard. Eleven plays, twelve yards. Three drives to try to win the game. Eleven plays, twelve yards. That says something about that defense. It is elite. I like your picks there. You start to kind of put things together. And, you know, and again, I'll leave my picks for a little bit later here on the broadcast. And, again, now we come to our final matchup in the game that I know a lot of people are thinking, could it, would it, might it be with two big-time defensive guys on that front side for Sumter? Do they have enough to stop the passing attack? Because if you cause a little bit of hell and havoc in, the se- in, in that backfield, it helps out a little bit. And do they have it on the secondary? Sumter is that way because you saw what they were able to do. Dutch Fork was against Carolina Force. Carolina Force got a lot of points on the board there, Joe. And I got to tell you, Sumter's got a left-handed quarterback that can sling it as good as anybody. Underrated and undervalued already, as you see in the world of recruiting, because I think somebody's going to get a deal and a steal when he finally says where he's going to go. But your thoughts on that game that's going to take place between the fellas down 378 and the boys that hold title town in 5A football. Coach Knotts is going to take something away. And what does Sumter do well in that, whenever the, in the past several years under Mark Barnes, who's actually a North Carolina guy himself, Crest High School. But, uh, he, <laughs> but <laughs> the, the one thing that Sumter has always done well is run the football. So Coach Knotts, Best believe he's going to try to take that away, which is going to basically put the onus on his secondary, which is probably the weakest part of his his defense right now, and also the passing game, which is also I would also say is probably the weakest part of Sumter's game. Who win, whoever wins that particular battle is probably going to win the game because Sumter's going to have to pass the football. Right, there's no doubt about that. He's going to have to pass the football. We already know Dutch Fork is going to pass the football, and they're going to score some points against that Sumter defense. Because their secondary is also the weak part of their second of their defense. Can Sumter pass the football? I don't know that yet, but I do know that Dutch Fork can. I have Dutch Fork winning that football game. Until you beat them, you got to keep crowning them. That, of course, is Dutch Fork. Now we'll talk more about that coming up in the hour number three. Is our celebrity guest picker, Mr. Perry Parks? He's the head football coach of. Uh, Ridgeview. Now, Perry, I know uh, you're, you're home listening, and I brought in Joe for a reason. It's a crash course, if you will. Professor, Professor you, sir, the second. That's who just joined uh, us here at 7.30 there, Joe. <laughs> and Perry, Perry's at my old high school, man. I, I, whatever he says goes, man. He, he's earned, he's earned <laughs> that. <laughs> Let me ask you, has he given you any of that swag? you seen the swag these guys got? Wow. They play good. Oh. They look good. Man, it's happening over there at Ridgeview. Hey, trust me, I'm a proud alum, man. I'm loving what they're doing. I'm, I'm proud of it. I love what they, I love it. I just love it. 
All right, so I got two questions, and, and, and table this one because I'm going to round back to this one. And we want to know what the one meal that you're waiting to, to partake in is. We wish you and your family, which you and I have gotten to become good friends for a long time, and I, I cherish everything that you give the dream that I've got called Southern Sports Central, brother. You make us look and sound so much better when you join us on the show and, of course, when we see you around town. But uh, before we talk about your favorite food, going into the top of the hour three, what's up in North Carolina? We will be there, it looks like, December 5th at an Infinity football camp over there at, at one of the schools. But they're going to be playing football, right? Are they going to be playing in the spring? Is that what it looks like? And when is the time frame of, of these matchups in the public schools? Right now, it's looking like we're looking like late February. But, uh, again, that's a long way away, and there's a lot going on. So, uh, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Of course, North Carolina is – is in a weird spot, but of course the it's basically as long as the governor is basically looking at it in a glass half full type of type of way, because uh, right. he he didn't he didn't take any action in, ter- in terms of uh, dropping the the type of response level down a tick like he was kind of expected with numbers kind of doing what they're doing, but it's, it's just a fingers crossed type of thing, man. We're just hope we're hoping right now we're just hoping to get to basketball. Uh, if we can get the basketball and see how that goes, then we can kind of proceed further because basketball is kind of that middle that middle ground, and we'll kind of grade from there. No doubt about it. All right, brother. So we send you off, and I'm going to give you the theme music before we tell you goodbye. I want you to know that uh, we appreciate everything that you do for me and, and for our family here in Southern Sports Central. I know you've helped out on the Friday morning show, of course, with Brandon Bisco. He comes live from all the way on the Grand Strand. He's part of our Southern Sports Central family as well. But what is that favorite meal that Joe wakes up on Thursday morning and thinks this is it? And give me a bonus. What's your tradition on Thanksgiving? Man, if you're talking about a traditional you, – you're talking about the whole meal. Yeah, let's go tradition. Ooh, Lord have mercy. Uh, we're going to have the, the turkey. We're going to have some ham, some collard greens, mac and cheese. Uh going to have some candy yams. Uh, what am I missing? We're going to have some potato salad. Uh, sheesh. I feel like I'm missing a bunch. We've got rolls. We get, One thing we're not going to have is no chitlins. I, I don't do that, man. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, it, the spread is the spread is usually the spread, man. I I, I kind of leave that to my my wife, my mother-in-law, and my mom. I, I kind of let them kind of uh, get into it and let their let their creative juices flow in, in, in regards to the kitchen on Thanksgiving. I I let them have it. I, it ain't my time to experiment. It's just my time to taste test. Now, what is your favorite food out of that? All that, and by the way. When do I need to show up on Thursday? That's the second part. But what is your favorite food come, <laughs> come Thanksgiving? And I just want the collard greens. I'll take anything, but I'm in for the collard greens. Man, I'm, I'm there for the candy yams, man. I got a bad sweet tooth. So uh, the way my mom's always made it, those candy yams were to die for. So that's that's where I go. That's my go-to. All right, buddy. Well, God bless you, man. I want you to stay on. I'm going to mute you, put you in the green room, and let you send you off to a to a little song that I know you enjoy. That's why I texted you earlier. But uh, for all that you do for not just Southern Sports Central, Joe, you've, you've grinded for so many seasons. You've done so many things. How many years have you been doing this thing that you do under the lights and covering high school sports, buddy? 
Man, we're about 15 years in, man. Jeez, so I've got 31 years between you and Kevin Billu. And I should have asked Reggie. I know you know Reggie, too. we got to find out Reggie's number because I'm going to add all this up because these are the guys that, ladies and gentlemen, they, they make our show so much better. You can't see them, and maybe there's a reason, but you can hear them, and they definitely bring the knowledge to the table when they come. And you've always got a seat at my table, whether it be on Thanksgiving, brother, or it be on any other night. Man, I appreciate you. You know, I love you, and I Always, always got your back. If there's anything we can do for you, just uh, give us a shout, buddy. No doubt, my man. All right, happy Valentine's. Hang tight. Listen to your exit song there as we pick up the bus, and we're going to be heading to Columbia right out of this. But here is the go-out song for the man, and he's done it for 15 years. That is Joe L. Hughes. He is with the Gaston Gazette. He is with the Shelby Star. And tonight, he was with Southern Sports Central. I've got the look that drives the cold while I've got the move that really move I said, chill, up and down, damn fine. I'm just a sexy boy. I'm not your boy, toy. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Rich Hillman here live on Southern Sports Central. I want to thank our following guests who have joined us here tonight. Kevin Billadu, Live 5 Sports and CBS Sports. Also, Reginald Walker, Jr. He is a TV and radio analyst for UNCC. That is the 49ers. And Gardner Webb, that is the Bulldogs. At 730, we hung out with Joel Hughes. He's got a lot of years into it, 15 to be exact. He's lately hanging out with the Gaston Gazette, the Shelby Star, and talking to stars. We're heading out to the celebrity guest tonight. That is the head football coach of the Ridgeview Boys getting it done this year in style, and that is Perry Parks. What's up, Coach? Richie, what's up, man? If I'm the celebrity, man, you must not cook anybody else on tonight, man. <laughs> man, look, brother, I'm going to tell you, you think I forget when me and Darnisha put you on the air for the first time a few years ago, three, I think, to be exact, by the way, and you had so many young dad, dudes doing it big, getting offers from multiple places around the state, and I was like – getting all this information on you. And, you know, the highlight came on when I saw Cedar Grove on your resume. I said, oh, duh, I should have known better. <laughs> so welcome back to your man, show, Southern Sports Central, Coach. I love it, man. Thanks for having me, brother. Always a pleasure. Now, of course, uh, for you guys who are being introduced for the first time, he's got a pretty good little golf game. I think he learned it on his days in Myrtle Beach. I bet his putt-putt game is pretty strong because that is the putt-putt capital of the world where he traveled and made his name known in college football with a shot to clear. You can find him chasing around the kids, whether it be on the golf cart with the flags flying or probably a flag in the yard as he's chasing them down the water slide or the slip and slide. Of course, Coach, the one thing I love about you is that you're a family man. You love those little guys that you got, man. I see them more than I see you on social media, and I think that's great. And I think that's why you had the success, which congratulations. Way to make an impact the first year in 5A football. And we've had all of your dudes and a few other coaches on this show, and I had a chance to get to know all of them through the uh, weird off season, if you will, during all these camps. 
Yeah, definitely, man. Definitely, uh, you know, I appreciate that, and I love what I do, and it's, you know, it doesn't feel like I work any, you know, any day of my life, and that's a blessing just to be able to say that. Of course, uh, l- let's talk about the season before we get into these picks. Now, I did give you listen to Joel Hughes. You know, he that's uh, he told us that's his yep. alumni that you're at, by the way, and he's proud of oh, that. Yeah. So you see how I work things out, right? I, I kind of help you as much as I can, Coach. I ain't going to give you the answers, but I'm going to give you a few of the test answers before we give you the, the paper. That being said, this season was a great one, man. I mean, your guys, I'm going to tell you yeah. something, Coach, and, and I got a chance to watch guys at the Carolina Experience Camp where we are partnered with those guys. We're over there partnered up with the Affinity Camp. that They had one of those over there at Ben Lippin, and then one actually hung out over in uh, Atlanta. Got another one coming up December 5th over in Charlotte. But all of your guys traveled, man. Your coaches traveled. I saw these kids yeah. grinding yeah. out with tones and, and gains and so many others. It just really got after it. And I, don't, I hate to mention names because I'm going to forget a few. But I want to say you had a running back out there. You had a DB back there. You had a wide receiver and a couple of other guys out there. What were you telling your guys? Because I hear coaches a lot of times pull back and not push their kids to go to these type of camps. But it felt like you were totally opposite. You were like, hey, go get some work in. I can't work you, so you need to go get it done the right way. Yeah, it's just been such a crazy year, and it's still crazy. Um, You know, the unknowns, no spring football, no summer workouts. Um, not even being able to see the kids. I think we were able to see him one time. We fed him lunch one day just to try to see him and check in on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anything that the kids were doing that was productive, uh, they were going to be able to get a look from college coaches uh, and just get out of the house and work, you know, perfect their craft, especially in a safe environment. Uh, we were all for that as coaches. Uh, we, we've done a decent job of being able to develop the talent that we've had at Ridgeview the last couple of years. Uh, and when the kids are just anxious and just sitting, you know, we want those guys to be able to go out there and, and be able to get some good competition and good other strong players across the state of South Carolina, Georgia, and North Carolina. So uh, any any combine or showcase that we know is going to be beneficial to our kids, safe environment, uh, you know, they're actually teaching the fundamentals of the game. We'll always, uh, you know, let our kids go to those type of showcases and events. Now, Coach, you also have a showcase game that you decided, I guess, with COVID, and I, don't, and I totally respect and understand that, Coach, that you aren't going to do that bowl game. Now, that bowl game has become quite a trendy thing. Now you see a lot of guys are doing it regionally. They're doing it locally. Yep. They're just they're picking it up. And, and you've kind of – and I'm going to give you credit, Coach. You know, I, you know, we've partnered up with you guys. We were, going to, we were going to be there this year with you guys. You and I talked about it. It didn't yep. work out this year. We'll be with you next year to broadcast that game. But we're also partnered up one-on-one with the guys from the upstate – and that is the high school blitz, right? And you know, of course, uh, Mr. Yep. Ken Brown and, and you, we all talk. But, you know, I got to tell you, Perry, Coach, you have, you have set the right way to do it. The way that you've laid it out, the, yeah. the, the demographics and everything seems to really have hit home to a lot of different places. Tell us about that and, and your reasoning for deciding not to do it this year, if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah. Well, right now we're still trying to find a little bit of funding so we can still pick a team and recognize the – the seniors, we definitely, like I said, we won't play a game because uh, of all the COVID stuff that's in place. And, uh, we want to be on the safer end of things but still be able to recognize the kids. But uh, it's always been a thought of mine when I was in uh, Georgia coaching. There's several all-star games outside of the state, uh, the state games. Uh, and South Carolina, man, we have so many talented players, and a lot of kids get overlooked. Kids are late bloomers. Uh, and just wanted to, to come up with an idea that was able to recognize guys that have great senior years that didn't make trial bowl or north-south. Uh, and just like anything else in South Carolina, you come up with an idea, and a lot of people say, you know, you can't do that. But, you know, I, I think I've said it on your show several times, man. My dad told me, and I growing up, you know, it's only a 
a crazy idea if you don't have the courage to try it. So um, I, I've, I've built a name, being able to try stuff that, that other people don't have the courage to try. And, uh, you know, you put in some proper planning and some hard work, and uh, it ended up being a pretty good event. Uh, we were able to have two – we played two games. This year would have been the third. Uh, but we definitely want to still be able to recognize the team this year uh, just to keep it going and hopefully next year be safer and, you know, get it back fired up for uh, the next season, 2021. We're live right now with our celebrity guest picker. We haven't gotten to the games yet, so if you're just listening in and you're hanging out from the, the campus or somewhere within the campus of either Ridgeview High School or Coastal Carolina where former Shauna Clear is coming out here and supporting both colors tonight, by the way. I'm not going to get him in any trouble there, but I'll tell you this. is uh, <laughs> There's multiple reasons that I got you in here, Coach, and I can't say it's your golf game because your coaches tell me different stories every time, so I got to go with you and Caddy when we can see <laughs> but this as we stick on this 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 regional opportunity because I love what Ken's doing. That's why we partnered with him and we're helping yeah. him any way we can. We're kind of the connection to the lower state and the Grand Strand with my connections here um from the beach. But do you ever see possibly Ken doing his thing, you know, you doing your thing, us kind of doing something over here on the coastline and then us having an, a mega all-star weekend where you get the best teams from the low country, you get a best team from the Grand Strand, the Midlands, and then the upstate and kind of having four teams in, in, in a couple of days of football or at least a day of football? That's 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 pretty unique. I, I think what Ken has going in this, this junior game, I think mm-hmm. that might be more of a, of a platform to do something like that. I know the seniors – uh, and, and Jerome, our, our commissioner with the high school league, you know, his big thing is, you know, not not infringing on other sports. And I get it. And I, I agree with him. You know, uh, at Ridgeview, me and Coach Stoneman, we've built our success on sharing athletes. Uh, and you never want to take away from that next sport. Uh, so, you know, something like that would take time, you know, probably two or three week process. Um, mm-hmm. Where if you were to do it with maybe underclassmen, you're not affecting some of those seniors that are going into basketball season. Um, but it's definitely a great idea, but I'm kind of like on his side of being a traditionalist, you know, maybe one all-star game and then go ahead and get your butt in the gym and start shooting some basketball if you're a basketball player. You know, if you're a wrestling player, go ahead and get on that mat. Uh, You really just don't want to, you know, be a selfish guy and take away from other sports. Because other sports, man, I mean, uh, you look at Ridgeview, I mean, football, we're the the little brother. I mean, our basketball team's won three in a row. Uh, and, And as a football coach, I'm proud of that, knowing that our athletes, you know, help help win some of those uh, state titles. So uh, you kind of got to le- learn your place and understand where you are as a, as a coach in the program. And for all guys, you know, across the state, you don't want to take, you know, small school like, you know, Allendale or, you know, do a two-way school like uh, Keenan or somebody like that, and they got guys that are football basketball players. You don't want to take them away three weeks from basketball when it can just be one week. We're live right now with the head football coach, our celebrity guest picker of the night. That is the head coach of Ridgeview, y'all. And that is Mr. Perry Parks, or Coach Parks, to you guys over there on Radio World. Now, that being said, I almost was going to use the Gamecocks baseball championships, how it married into the football program. But I don't have to do that, do I? Because I can go to Coastal and look at the Shauna Clears winning a World Series. And look now, don't even have to look far. as an 8-0 team, best start uh, of any Fun belt slash Sun Belt team in history, and they ain't even been in there long, Coach. Tell me about these Shauna Clears, brother. I know you're a loud and proud uh, wearing the teal every Saturday and probably Monday through Friday at this point. Yeah, man. I, I tell you what, just just being a part of that that program. Uh, I was talking to a guy earlier today, just 
you know, having the wherewithal that I made that decision uh, back in the, the, the eon days to, to go to Coastal Carolina, a program that was, you know, in its infant stages. I mean, we didn't even have a stadium. You know, our first footballs were like little rubber footballs from Walmart. We practiced on driving ranges. Just to go through that process and to see the program where it is today, uh, it, it's the, the the definition of just being proud, man. And and that's, that's me bombarding Twitter with me flying my coastal flag and wearing my colors. Like, you you just, you know, being a true stakeholder from day one and seeing the program where it's at, I mean, there, there are no words to describe that feeling. And hopefully they keep it rolling and, and win the Sun Belt. I see them right now got us predicted for the Myrtle Beach Bowl. We don't want that. Like, you know, let us go to the Raycon Bowl down in New Orleans or something like that. We want a trip, man. Uh, we got a group chat with all of the guys, the original players, and, you know, our wives got those girls included. And, you know, we want to go somewhere we can, dog, on tell stories, man, reminisce, and just be proud of our program. So hopefully we went out and they sent us to New Orleans or something. We want a bowl trip. Who don't want to go Ain't to Myrtle no. Beach? No knock on it. <laughs> <laughs> you wake up every day, you're at Myrtle Beach. I mean, who takes sand to the beach? That's you guys are at the beach. I mean, come on. Y'all been balling it, man. That's it. Now, let me ask you, was Markel – well, you, you've earned it. I mean, that that's the reality part. I mean, would they send a yeah, team normally yeah. that's ranked 15th in the country or 16th in the country, would they send that team to Myrtle Beach? I don't think so. Should they no, send no. it to Myrtle Beach? No, no. I think they should. I, I honestly – look, and, and we're going to step <laughs> off just a second because I got two places that should have bowl games better than uh, a, a couple of spots that they go to in Alabama or Louisiana, Shreveport, for example. Who the heck wants to go to Shreveport? I say you build a bowl game. Yeah. You put the ACC versus the SEC in Charleston. It's the number one destination in the world. I'll sponsor it. I mean, I have to have some financial help. That's where I'm going to come to you, Coach. But Or we go to Myrtle Beach. <laughs> it doesn't matter. But to me, why South Carolina and the coast that, revenues, that brings so much revenue and opportunity to not just South Carolina but to the southeast and around the world – it's surprising to me we don't have an opportunity to do some of the things like that. And hopefully that's something they're working on. Yeah, I agree. Now let me ask you this. You've got a bunch of guys on your staff right now, on your roster, if you will. Yep. Tell us a little bit before we get into the picks here in just a few, because I want to give you a chance to talk about some of your dogs, man, because as a former coach yeah. I believe you played for, he loves them dogs. So he's got to love the guys on your roster because you got a bunch of them, man. Tell me who balled out this year. Congratulations, by the way, on that deep run in the playoffs. First time in 5A yeah. you played like you've been here before, Coach. Give me some love on some of the guys that balled out for you this year. Yeah, yeah, definitely, you know, especially the seniors because it's such a log jam. We're still hoping the NCAA will come out with some more requirements and rules to help these seniors out, man, because the, uh, well, the 2021 class, I mean, you almost say it might be a lost class. Um, because a lot of the FCS kids, uh, Division One kids, they can come back and have that extra year of eligibility if they want it. But uh, starting with those guys, Jordan Smith had a phenomenal year. Um, I, I tweeted out, you know, he's one of the best guys that I've coached, and a lot of the, my college buddies that follow me on Twitter, like they they start calling me immediately, knowing some of the guys that I coached in Atlanta. Uh, and then when you put the kids' tape on, they see exactly what I'm talking about. Um, right under six foot, things at five, five ten and a half, five eleven. But uh, one of the most electric players I've coached. Uh, joy to coach, uh, he's a hard worker, uh, super talented kid, tremendous upside when he gets to college. Um, actually worked on his speed this off season, and uh, just a phenomenal receiver, phenomenal kid. Uh, we had two of the best linebackers uh, since I've been at Ridgeview, uh, in Darius Foots and Keaton Rogers. Both of those guys we got projected to be FCS kids, uh, definitely Division two kids, if not that. 
uh, and then working working our way on, we had uh, guys in the secondary that are just late bloomers, uh, Tyler Dreer, Aaron Wright. Um, both of those guys are high academic kids. Uh, Davin Moses, a utility guy on our defense, uh, he had a great senior year. Uh, and then we have a slew of 2022 kids, and I know you know a lot of those kids. Uh, excuse mm-hmm. me, another senior, Najon Barber, probably one of the best defensive linemen in the state of South Carolina. Uh, he played uh, lights out. I think he's pretty close to shutting it down and committing to South Carolina State. Um, but that, those 2022 kids, uh, Antonio Gaines, oh, my gosh, uh, the way he played football for us, I mean, he just plays with a relentless motor, uh, an effort unknown to mankind, the way he pursues the football. Uh, Michael Mason had a huge year for us um, playing linebacker. Um, Andre Washington, our quarterback, played huge for us. Uh, just just guys all over the field. I know I'm probably leaving a, a couple out. I'll have a perspective seat in front of me. But, uh, you know, like I said earlier, like we built the program off developing our talent, you know, not trying to wait on a transfer to come and bail you out. Uh, and when you do that, uh, Rich, when you, when you develop your talent like that, every year you're going to have a chance to be competitive. Uh, our kids understand what we're playing for and how to play the game the right way. Uh, and, and every time we take the field, I don't care if it's practice, walkthrough, uh, you can just see that look on their eyes that they got a chip on their shoulder like they're not good enough. And, and, and we love keeping them that way, man, keeping them uh, humble and, and keeping them hungry. And uh, the proof is in the numbers, what we've been able to do the last couple of years. Amen. Hey, and by the way, and, and Barbara, I'm giving to give you love, brother. I see what you do and I see gains, and they might be the biggest dudes, but, boy, they got the biggest hearts in those bodies, man. Those dudes are they're five-star guys, man, and there's so many guys you mentioned that I got a chance to meet this year, and I look forward to doing it again here with the guys that are going to be rising up to different grades. Now, you also, by the way, I- I'm going to give you this award. You got the best media man in the business, too, man. I don't care who else has a social media guy. Your guy is the guy. He does the videos. He knocks it down. It's first class, and it's all the athletes. He don't just focus on one or two of your dogs. He focuses on everybody on that roster, and you get a chance to be introduced by each and every opportunity that he turns on that camera. Yeah, man, we got a great social media team, man, and that's uh, one of the things that big, big on when I got the job originally wanted to do something different, uh, and we really try to run a college program and. And that's, I mean, that's what all the colleges are doing nowadays, uh, especially in Richmond, too. We're in a choice district. So we've got to find creative ways to, to, to reach the kids that we, we couldn't reach. Uh, we don't have feeder programs. So uh, we got to be very, uh, very unique and very strategic in, in, in what we put on social media and what audience we're going after. And, uh, you know, Kelly King does a phenomenal job. Mr. Joshua is in the building with us. Those guys do a phenomenal job of, 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 of telling the story of what it's like to be a Ridgeview Blazer. Yes, they do. Now, let's tell some stories. And now it is time to bring out the paper, Eugene, and uh, get the names, the numbers, and the IDs out because we're going to check out one through five. And here's how it works, Coach Parks. I will give you the matchup. I'm going to give you the floor. Then I go to Eugene, and then I come back to me. And uh, we'll take these along with who we just heard from. By the way, Joe Hughes, we let him come in and kind of give you a, a little bit of a dry run side of things. And then I've got a couple of coaches that are joining me on Wednesday to top it all off. So here we go. Round, excuse me, 1A, round three. This is the final four in 1A football. Of course, we talk about the boys from Lakeview. The Gators are rolling through, beating teams on their way. And now they'll see a team that you know a little bit about as well, I would imagine, with Bamberg Earhart in the lower state 1A, coach. Uh, I got to roll with Bamberg on that one, man. <laughs> I figured. Oh, man, look at that. All right, Eugene, who'd you got, buddy? 
Right, you know I'm going with Coach Crosby's defense, Phil and Bamberg. I, I, I love the defense, especially the defensive back at Lakeview, and I love the Wild Gators. Anything associated with the Gator, I'm all in. Uh, but we know Bamberg's not going to throw the ball, so those boys are going to have to tackle some running backs. I look for a slobber knocker, low-scoring game, uh, defensive-minded, and going with Bamberg. All right, I'm going to go with the trifecta. Let's go Bamberg. Coach Crosby gets it done there, takes out – a team that will be hosting them in, excuse me, uh, Lakeview. Sees their season come to an end on that one. On the upper state part of the 1A Final Four, you got the boys of uh, Wagner, Sally. Wagner, excuse me, that's going to be Lamar. I apologize, Coach. Lamar comes in here. They'll see a team called Southside Christian. I got to see their feeder program at 12U. Very impressive, very well disciplined, and actually won the game. Uh, I saw here in the low country, but who do you like in a Southside Christian team taking on the boys from Lamar? I'm going with I'm going with Lamar, man. Our, our assistant principal, uh, Dr. Marlon Thomas, was with us forever. He's now the principal of Lamar. You know, he called me before the season, and, and I, I believe in the doggone Silver Foxes, man. I'm rolling with Lamar on this. All right, what do you got, Eugene? Well, you know, I'm going with Southside Christian. I just think that offense is, is, is dynamic. It's electric. Uh, we saw, the, you know, the, the future on the defense, but the defense this year isn't too shabby either. So I'm sticking with the uh, Southside uh, going into the state championship game. Coach, I want to go with you, but I'm going to make this one a do or die for us in 1A. I'm going to go with you, Eugene. I agree with you. I think Southside Christian, they've got a lot of things that not many people have seen. They're kind of that surprise attack, even though I think Lamar has got the, the history, the tradition in some of this stuff. But I think it's going to be Southside Christian in 1A. Here we go back up now to two-way. This one's going to be a lot of fun, uh, Coach Parks. We look at Andrews. We see Marion. You know, that this is kind of an old-school lights back in the day buffet for us here. So when you look at this rematch, just to give you a quick heads up, they're in the same region. Marion won round one. They hosted again in round two. Can coach over at Andrews, Coach Durham, does he have enough to take out the boys of Marion on the road? You know, we we, we did some scrimmages with uh, Andrews back when I was at Lakewood. Coach does a good job uh, with that program. And, it's you know, it's a small town, Andrews, but how about Marion, man, getting their program back on the map? And they got some athletes down that way and uh, I'm going to roll with Marion on this pick. All right, Eugene, what do you got, buddy? Uh, as bad as I hate to, to pull against Coach Durham, uh, I'm going with Marion as well. Uh, that was a heck of a win in the playoffs to beat Barnwell. You know, Barnwell may not be the Barnwell that got off the bus last year, but they're still a tough team this year. And uh, for Marion to win that game, I think they're hot. I think they're playing right. Uh, I, I'm not taking the factor that they played earlier. I am taking the factor that they do have the whole matchup and sticking with uh, Marion. I like what Coach uh, Durham has done with his defense. He put a lot of a lot of heat on the guy, Pillion. And when you see what Eli, his son, by the way, that lives in the same house, but I believe this coach by Melissa, that's the coach's wife, had to throw a football. That being said, I'm going to go not only with my heart, I'm going to go with the stuff to beat somebody twice. And I think Andrews finds a way, and this will separate us in this bracket, I believe, as well. I got the Yellow Jackets upsetting, if you will, on the road and heading to the lower, or excuse me, to the state championship. Now here, Coach Parks is where I lean on you the most, my friend. The Big A Uh-oh. down the road from Promised Land University. That's Abbeville. Yeah, you know about these cats. And, of course, Gray oh, Collegiate. Yeah. 
Oh, do you know about Gray? Sure you do. They're in Columbia, so you got to know a little bit about those guys. What do you like in this matchup, and does Gray have a chance, I mean a fighting chance, against the boys from Abbeville? Uh, they they came close enough last year, and I know that, that Gray's probably got this one up in the weight room. You know, Adam Holmes is my guy. He already talking to me on Twitter, so <laughs> I got I gotta go gotta go with Gray on this one, and uh, hopefully, you know, Adam will give me a couple strokes when we get on the course when he's up and he's playing. I love it, Eugene. What you got, buddy? You know, I, I'm sticking with them, and yes, I saw that tweet. Uh, Coach Holmes tweeted <laughs> at him earlier and said he was going to be listening in. For that pick, uh, I'm sticking with him. You know, they went ground game this year. I think that's something that they can, uh, you know, hang with Abbeville on. God knows uh, Casey Adams is something special to see. I've seen it in person when he went for 275 yes, against us. Uh, you know, but where the difference between this year and last year is, is that Gray is so much better, bigger, and stronger on the defensive line up front. And I think that they can score some points if that quarterback does not put the ball on the ground. I think uh, Gray Collegiate wins this game. I'm going to go with that as well, guys. Here's why. Because I saw, again, what they did against Oceanside, battle to battle, chest back to chest. And you see, and what I, I feel like Gray does really good. And that is what I saw River Bluff do against the Fort Dorchester team a couple weeks ago. And that's keep hitting you in the ribs. And sooner or later, you're going to get a touchdown in there. But meanwhile, what you're doing, you're taking away the clock away from the other team. And I think this year, why Gray had a lot of dudes around the field, they had a lot of really talented athletes. I think player to player, they're better this year around, and they're a lot more solid within the system. So I think you're right. I think this is an upset. I think this is the night that, of course, why not? It's 2020 for us to go and go all in with uh, Gray Academy taking the win and seeing uh, multiple teams. I got Andrews. The other fellas have Marion in the state championship. Let's go to 3A football, guys, and we head over now to uh, a, a pretty good matchup here where you see in the upstate, we'll start this time, where the boys from Wren come from four down to three, and they'll actually see a team that they know a little bit about as well. And Daniel, coach, two great teams, two incredible programs. They're going to have to find a winner at the end of Friday night. Yeah, man, this one right here is the one I was looking at. Uh, it's so funny, man. Uh, you know, they're, that, that's a real rivalry now. They can't stand each other up there in parts. Uh, when we played last year, we played Ren for the upstate title game. We had the whole city of Daniel on our sideline cheering for us, man. So, I tell you what, uh, Coach Tate, they, they do a phenomenal job at Ren. They got some players. But uh, Coach Frewster, they, they, they got something going, man. I, I thought Chapman was going to beat them last week. And the way they played late in that game, uh, it's going to make me pick them in this one in a close one, man. So, I'm going to roll with Daniel. All right, Eugene. You know where my pick is, is with the Daniel Lions, man. Like I said, you know, not only are they have great staff on the field, but they got great staff in the stands watching. And that's, uh, you know, they got two players uh, who, whose fathers are very well high-paid assistants on that Clemson team. Uh, and, and that's not the only reason. I just think that this is their year, man. They, they're back. They're locked and loaded. They can shut you down on defense. They can put up 50 on offense if they need to. So I'm sticking with the Lions to keep rolling. You know, I get a chance to interview a lot of people, a lot of players, a lot of coaches, but I had a chance after the state championship game and the Wren guys did what they could. They knocked out Myrtle Beach, but I got to interview Mama Tate. For you guys who don't know, that is the first lady of the Hurricanes over there. Now, her and her husband graduated 
from uh, that same high school in Wren, and to bring that first championship meant the world. But her interview touched my heart because I love to hear the stories behind the women, just like your wife there, Coach, that puts up with so much in the stands from all the fans. But unfortunately, I'm not sure that magic's going to be in place when they travel to Daniel. Now, I had Wren winning this one until, until Daniel went on the road to beat the defending champion. The boys all the way up there in Chapman, so now they get to come home. And now they get to host. And like you mentioned, they've got a touch of orange on the roster over there at a place like Daniel. So I'm going to go Mama Tate. Don't hate. I got to go Daniel and the whole team on this one, guys. So that's kind of how I'm going to look at it. But Mama Tate, I promise you, it was hard for me to go against you. I want to share that interview on Twitter over there at SO Sports Central after this. For the guys that are in, forgive me early. But now we look at 4A football, Coach. This is where you were last year. You've now moved to yeah. 5A. I don't like to say move up, but you've moved over to 5A football. So you know about this area very, very well. And and we'll start on the Grand Strand, a team that you know a little yeah. about as well. Yeah. That Myrtle Beach team, very, very good. Took a tough loss. I mean, a really bad loss against North Myrtle Beach. But you know what you got to have in being an athlete? Short-term memory. Just like when Mama says, pick up That's your it. sock, you forgot about it. Well, forget about that loss and don't worry about picking it up again because now they'll go back to North Myrtle Beach, a lot of rematches, coaches, uh, here in these games. And North Myrtle Beach is going to host Myrtle yeah. Beach. What do you think, Coach? I'll tell you what, man. This one is about as a coin toss as you can have. I mean, I know North Myrtle Beach got the best out of them in recent play uh, when they played. But, I mean, you're talking about another heated rivalry. Uh, and when, you know, it only matters. In this game right here, you go to play for a state title. Um, I, you love the tradition at Myrtle Beach, but – you got to think that Coach Real, they're tired of being a little stepbrother, man. So uh, I think they, they find a way to get it done again. And, and, and North Myrtle Beach and Coach Real, those guys go play for a state title this year. All right, Eugene, what you got, brother? Oh, man, you know, I agree. It's a toss-up. Uh, you know, after last week and, and the way that Myrtle Beach played at Buford, which Buford was kind of a defensive team we thought going in, um, you know, I'm actually – I think Berger's ankles get a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better. I know he told me that night he was good to go. And, you know, I, I think they've learned a lot from the first one. I don't think you'll get – you know, hopefully, pray to God, those boys don't get hurt in the first quarter again. I'm going to go with Myrtle on the uh, proverbial upset. Wow, look at that. So, what I'm going to do is do what you said. I'm going to toss this thing up. Yep, that was the coin toss in the air. I went heads. Well – Head says that I'm going to keep it real with you guys. I'm going to go North Myrtle Beach on this one because <laughs> I'm not mad at you, Coach Wilson, because you coach Myrtle Beach. I'm not mad at you at all, even though you're a Conway Tiger, which I'm surprised they still let you go into the bright lights of the mall around Conway after going to a rival place. But you've done great things. But I think because it's 2020, because you've seen that defensive stuffness of the front line of North Myrtle Beach and some of the other stuff that we saw last week, if you watched the games from the Chiefs, I just feel like there's certain seasons and certain reasons. And for me, I'm going to go with the Chiefs at this point because I think they put a lot into this season as much as anybody. And sometimes it's just your season. It's hard to go against the home team in this matchup. So now we move on to the final one, and this is the 5A brackets. By the way, Myrtle Beach, if you prove me wrong, I'll pick you next week. So keep on keeping on. There's your reason to win. Now we go to 5A, and we're going to stay away from the teams over there by you, Coach. We'll save that for last. Here we go. T.O. Hanna knocked out Gaffney. Now, you and I have talked about this off the air, about the powerful top five or six inside this top 20 or top 10 in the state all year long. But 
None of them other than Dutch Fork remain. Sumter's been kind of teetering in that top five. But you look at a team like Gaffney, they're out. Dorman, they're out. But who is in? T.O. Hanna and Northwestern. What do you like about these two teams as they go in? Again, another heavyweight matchup in 5A football. I'll tell you what, man. One of my friends called me the other day, and he's like, man, it's crazy. You know, the, the only two teams you guys lost to is T.O. Hanna and, uh, and Northwestern. <laughs> And I sat there and I just shook my head, man. You know, a couple people said we're not supposed to be in 5A football, but that's another story. Um, you know, Northwestern game was our first game of the season. Uh, they were in better shape than us. Uh, Coach Walford's team was able to run the football and establish a physical dominance that game, uh, and it kind of wore us down. T.L. Hanna, uh, we jumped out to a 14 nothing lead on those guys, and, uh, you know, that, that wing T approach kind of wore us down late in the fourth quarter. Uh, so both of those guys, Coach Tone and T.L. Hanna, does a great job with his program. And Coach Walford, uh, you know, you've seen what he's done, kind of restore some glory in Northwestern. Uh, but, you know, a wise man said you never you never pick against anybody in your region, man. So rolling with our region, man, and i, I got to go with the Northwestern Trojan on this one, man. And I, I think it's going to be a good game. And, uh, you know, how about that as a story? You know, Coach Walford gets that job and gets Northwestern back in the state championship. So going and don't forget. And don't forget, uh, and don't forget that you, at the end of the day, also scrimmage another team. I think they're called Dutch Fork. Didn't you guys scrimmage Dutch Fork too? Yeah. <laughs> yeah <I didn't> <laughs> so you wins and losses, yeah. but yeah, we we try to we try to see it. The, the measuring <laughs> stick was first right out the jump, and you know, that's just a different animal. But I mean, what Carolina Forest did on them opened some eyes across the state. <laughs> that it did. We'll talk about them in just a minute, Eugene. Who you like, man? How about radio still in this thing, looking from above in the big house down to the field on Friday night as he'll look over a team that he has followed with for so many years as he's up in the heavens. Does the boys of T.L. Hanna have enough to knock out Northwestern on the road? I'm not betting against Northwestern again. I do think, like you said, you know, uh, T.L. is going to try to control the clock. I think Northwestern, as I was told, uh, yesterday up in Charlotte, they got a special package. They broke out new packages and, and schemes every single week in the playoffs. They got something special coming up. And you know what? If it comes down to it, I know there's been some special teams and some kicks and missed kicks during the year, uh, especially in the playoffs. If it comes down to it, I have no doubt that Kanoa Vincent will put it to the upright for Northwestern. So I'm going, I'm going with the Northwestern Trojans again. When you look back at the movie called Remember the Titans, right, because we just talked about radio, I'm going to go remember the Titans real quick, Coach, and I'm going to look at Eugene, who's a special teams coach, and I've been getting my butt kicked all day long over here with this team that uh, we call, of course, Northwestern. So I'm going to go with the coach in this one of special teams who I know can do some special things. He's around a few players, and here's a few things, and I'm going to also pick the boys of Northwestern so they get the trifecta tonight. And we will live to see who they play. Who will that be? Dutch Fork, Sumter. Aren't you somewhere in between these two teams, Coach? No, literally. I mean, give me the dynamics and the Man. geographics when it comes to these two programs. <laughs> oh, you know I'm a Sumter boy, man. I played for Sumter High School. And, uh, you know, Tom Knox lives, lives right around the corner from me, man. My son is supposed to be a, a Dutch Fork guy when he gets in high school. My boys and my daughter. So I'm in the Dutch Fork zone. A couple of my neighbors are players, and then Coach Lake Tommy lives around the corner. But I tell you what, you're going to have to come take this phone out of my hands if you think I'm picking against my son the Gamecocks, man. Son the Gamecocks, my buddy. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right, here we go. Eugene, 
Are you buying? Are you selling? You drinking? What are you doing over there when it comes to this matchup between two teams? Who, by the way, the Gamecocks, man, hey, look, they're here, and it's 2020. Why not the Gamecocks of something? Well, you know, let me. He brought up something. Let, let me just touch on that because I saw a, a picture on Twitter earlier. His son has probably the best hair on any male <laughs> in the country. His son. Living to Eugene. Maybe, maybe, that, <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe that's the thing. You know, maybe we'll, we'll give credit to the wife on that one. Um, yeah, his son, that, that is ball-headed. That is ball-headed. I appreciate it. <laughs> but, but, you know, and, and another quick thing since you brought up the school thing is, man, you know, I don't, I don't know how she's uh, – Agreeing with the way you're running school there, man. I know you were teaching math earlier. I saw some, uh, some yeah. counting and some crayons. If you're teaching math with crayons, man, maybe Miss Parks might need to take that job over too. I don't know, bro. Oh, maybe man. you need to take the crayons and the markers back to the football <laughs> board. But uh, burnout, man. I'm trying to get the nah, Thanksgiving break, man. I thought I was off today. <laughs> yeah, just, just hold on, man. Keep enough crayons and snacks handy. Until uh, until she gets off, but you know, I just I, I don't want to do it. I picked against probably every team known to man over Dutch Fork. I'm tired of losing that pick, brother. So I'm going with Dutch Fork in this game until they prove. And, you know, I, I don't know how many times they have to prove me wrong betting against them. So for the first time ever, I'm gonna pick them, and maybe that helps you win. Wow, look at that! I love it. Hey, Co- Coach Knox, just so you know and you're listening, that was Eugene, okay? That was Eugene. So when you need to not let somebody on the campus, it's not me, Coach. It's Eugene, Eugene Benton with the B, all right? So that being said, Coach, you know, I had the opportunity last year before you guys walked out on the field to play for that 5A state championship and win another one and another one and another one. And I've also been a part of, unfortunately, the other side of the games that you got to before you got to the state championship, where I watched you drag them and tag them. And I was on the other side trying to do a radio broadcast. And I had to talk about every seafood restaurant, every nick and cranny, everything. If it had to do with Somerville or it had to do with any other program that you played down here, I guarantee you after the broadcast, you knew where the best places in Charleston were to go. And as I see, you continue to put up the points. I just don't know if – and I hate to say this because I think the quarterback over there at Sumter's really good, Coach. I really do. I think he's a lefty that's going to become a steal of a deal wherever he lands. And that running back, by the way, y'all, he is really good. I'm just saying, when you see the, the, the boys of, of Dutch Fort do what they do year in and year out, you can't go against them. I heard, you know, Coach Knox give one of the most powerful speeches last year before that game. And Jalen Hyatt standing there, and that quarterback that's now at Clemson playing baseball standing on the other side of me. And he looked at those guys, and he said, guys, at this moment, at this time, this is the most important thing in your life. When the clock is at zero and the game is over, we'll reposition everything. But right now, at this moment, this is the most important thing. And, Coach, I got to tell you, that guy made me feel like I should go out there and suit up. Thank God I didn't because I saw a hamstring getting pulled just running out of the locker room. But <laughs> – I'm not going against Dutch Fork ever unless they lose this weekend, and then I don't have a choice. I got to go with Sumter. But in this case, I, I just think Dutch Fork's loaded up. I think they do things. I think they're vulnerable. It looks like they give up more points this year than they have in the past. I just think they still have not only the little Hyatt, they've got a few other guys that they don't focus on because his last name isn't Hyatt, that he gets loose. The running back is still doing some things, and I just think that, again, you know, you can't go against the man who keeps proving you right or wrong in Eugene's fault. 
year after year. So I'm going to go Dutch Fork on this one. And again, Coach, if I'm wrong, you come down here and I'll buy you some. You and I will go out the halls down to Summerfield and I'll give you a victory lunch. I ain't buying you dinner, man. It gets to be $300 for a steak. I'll get you that, I'll get you that early bird special. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. Well, if Sumter wins because I picked Dutch Fork, you know, just so I can be proved wrong again, by dog, doggone it, it's time for me to get some of that swag. You know, I mean, look. Come on down. Come on down. We've been friends. We've been friends. We've been tweeting. You know, I I blew you up as a mega celebrity. Everybody else is a celebrity. You were a mega celebrity. So I blew you up. He had to go to the dictionary to find some of these words. I need Jumpman. I just want some Jumpman. I love it, man. Come on down. They they win that game. You come on in the closet, man. I only get out of special people, man. Come on the closet. You can have your pick, man. Now, now, Coach. Coach. Do you have like baby gap yep. sizes? You know, Eugene ain't the biggest one. Do you have kid sizes? When he says oh, no. small or large, no, he's man. talking about like the size, like your kid's taller than Eugene. I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you a funny story, man. My mentor, when he hired me, you know, he, he put me in charge of ordering stuff when we were at Cedar Grove, Ray Bonner, and I asked him about ordering smalls and mediums. He says, Coach, if you order any smalls and mediums, we're gonna be getting our butts whipped. <laughs> you can't win with the small kids. <laughs> and I said, That ain't that ain't right, Coach. But I tell you what, I, I don't order no small to medium to this day because of that, man. So, large, large enough, that's what we got. <laughs> large enough. Eugene, you got it. Hey, that, Eugene, that means you got to wear a couple sweatshirts, buddy. But he's got you covered, it sounds like. <laughs> man, I got to tell you, Coach, this has been a blast having you in here and, and, and having you do this and just talking to us for 45 minutes, not only about what we do, but, uh, you know, just everything, what what's going on in your campus, the love that you have for – for coastal man, I, I just you bleed the right way on social media, man. How much do you do you really dive up? And and, and it seems like you're pretty active with your young men because I not one time, and I'm going to be honest with you, I am that guy. You know that, coach. I'll I'll yeah. send you a message real quick and say, hey, I saw this, I saw that. Not one time have I ever had to call you and say, coach, I, I don't know if that's what he meant. Never. How much do you yeah. put that yeah. into conversation with these young men and and talk to the other men? and women, because we have some ladies listening, that are looking to play college yeah. athletes. How, how big a role is it for these guys to play in, in, in the social media world? Oh, it's huge, man. Like I said, that's, that's why I got into, you know, this, this coaching on the high school level. If you're not in it uh, to be a true leader of men, and that's, that's what our world, I mean, all the stuff that's going on today, uh, you know, to be a true leader of men and young, young women in these schools, like, we need more positive people that's going to hold these kids accountable because nowadays, man, it's so easy to turn your face, turn your shoulder, and that act like you didn't see that. But, you know, I, I challenge all of these coaches, anybody that's hearing me, parents, man, challenge them and hold them accountable, man, and, and, and you'd be surprised uh, at the result because a lot of these kids, they're, they're begging for it, man. And and as long as I, you know, have, have breath in my lungs and I'm able to do it, that that's, that's what we're going to do. We're going to hold kids accountable, you know, try to coach men a character, uh, and to put some more strong voices in this world because our world needs it, man. Go ahead, Eugene. I know you got something, buddy. All right, Coach. So we always uh, ask these guys, you know, we talked about the Thanksgiving dinner and, uh, you know, what, what yeah. what's the, uh, you know, preference or what's the meal of choice or what's that one thing you had to have? I want to know one thing, man. What would you do for Founders Day? I saw you guys on Twitter. Uh, oh, like yeah. Y'all, about, yeah. Y'all, were, y'all, y'all look like y'all were back 21, 22 years old, back at Coastal. Oh, I saw you man. in the camos and purple. So what would you do for Founders Day to celebrate? Uh, oh, man. Well, our fraternity, man, is definitely special, being a member of Omega Sci-Fi. You know, we lost one of our coaches 
um, just to a, a, a freak. You know, he died having a routine surgery, got infected. And he was, uh, he was a member of our fraternity, and he helped, helped pledge me. Uh, he went to uh, University of South Carolina, the Zeta Zeta chapter. So this year was kind of, you know, more or less, you know, super happy Founders Day, but took us back, you know, missing him. Uh, so I, I smoked some chicken wings. It's one of his favorite things, me cooking. Uh, and just just hung out in my little back patio and just you know just enjoy that time and got my sons dressed up in some Omega Sci-Fi stuff and took some pictures and just enjoyed it, man. <laughs> well, tr- true story. I did my freshman year at Mississippi State. I tried to walk on for baseball. I'm not as small as he says I am, uh, but <laughs> I tried to walk on. But so I pledged at Mississippi State. And true story is we sold our house when we bought a house on campus or built one. We sold our house to the Q's and. Uh, they invited us over for some of those punch parties, man, and it was a great time. Oh, man, Eugene, you got some stories to tell, brother. <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> well, Coach, I, I got to be honest with you, man. You know, just, again, having an opportunity to have you in here, and, and again, I, I've learned so much about you through Darnisha, and um, you, you start to kind of put everything in perspective. It's been kind of like a, a – a, a, Uh, the perfect timing, the perfect storm, if you will, you know, when you start to kind of put things in, talk to me about this fraternity thing, because I'm actually in conversation right now with Everett Sands. I was trying to have him check in here and surprise you. I believe, is that one of your fraternity brothers is? Is that right? I saw you guys did some magic on the show last week, right? Oh yeah. Everett. Yeah. Yeah. Everett, Everett as well, man. Everett as well, especially South Carolina, man. It's definitely, you know, a great state. I was born in the state, raised in the state, college in the state, reside in the state now, Tight, tight-knit community, especially in our in our organization. You know, a lot right. of guys across the state are, are Omegas, and, uh, you know, we take care of each other and, and, and have those relationships. And Everett's one of those guys I consider a mentor, man, and a close friend. Man, guys, he's definitely not here. <laughs> we missed the but pick, I, and we just got called out on Twitter. Who called us? We didn't pick the three. Yeah, we didn't pick the three A lower state. Well, who was that? Well, we we got called out on Twitter because we picked the uh, we we didn't pick the lower state with uh, Camden and Gilbert. I thought we went Gilbert on that one. Did we go Gilbert? Did we did we not pick it? Not no pick, but I tell you what, uh, no pick. But those guys might come and get me, so we might have just missed that one. All right, that's fine. All right, so let's say, hey, look, let's do it real quick. We appreciate them shouting us out. Eugene, you got the pad, unfortunately, brother. I, I was kind of going through it, and I probably missed it because it's right there in the yard. You got Gilbert. You got Camden, Coach, real quick. What you got? I got Camden. Ah. I'm the Willis Lane train, baby. I'm riding Willis Lane train. You already knew that was happening. Who you got over there, Coach? I don't know, man. Now, both of those guys are, are, are good buddies of mine, Coach Leapheart and then, uh, yeah, Coach Rip at Camden. Those Camden boys have been talking a lot of, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of positive encouragement from Camden, man. And if you win in games, I'm with it, man. Talk, but I well, think Coach, the Coach Lee Martin, the Indians are gonna be ready, man. I think, I think the Indians are gonna be ready. I'm gonna roll with Gilbert on this one. Yeah, man. You knock out, drag out, and stick out a guy that I know and I've seen and I played against Jackie Hayes. I don't care what you say. 29 years and you just put it to him. Oh yeah, Gilbert, you got my vote. Nut out and out. So, <laughs> now, that being said, a, a quick hello from a good friend of yours, a guy you were on the show last week, a fraternity brother, has checked in. And that, of course, is uh, the man with the plan tomorrow night. You can hear him right here on, of course, uh, the show Southern Sports Central as the West Nation Sports Show. That is Everett Sands. What's up, Coach Sands? Well, ain't no much, man. How about yourself? 
Not bad. Now, I got your fraternity brother in here with me. I got you for two minutes because we go dead at nine. But that being said, I figured uh, you guys can talk a little bit about what it is to be a fraternity brother and what that has meant and how much you saw it then, but how much more it means today than it did just yesterday. Well, here's the big thing. Friendship is essential to the soul. And and that's something that, that, you, you got to really just embrace because we're not meant to be here alone and we can't do it by ourselves. And to have somebody that you know got your back regardless, such as Perry does mine and I have his, man, that, that's just something that's essential and, and something that allows you to be able to, to attempt some things that you might not normally do. Mm. I love it. Coach Parks, your thoughts can't, on that? Can't say, it no, can't, hey, can't, can't say it no better than that. And, it, and it's not like a lot of other organizations say that, but being being a member of Omega Sci-Fi, like we, we live that. And, and, and whatever it said is 100% accurate. And, and like I said, take the shirt off my back if you needed it. No questions asked. You know, it's just something special to be a part of. You know, I, I love it, guys. Watching you guys celebrate the other day on social media, you know, like Eugene said, it was almost like watching you guys go back in quantum leaps, you know, deal where you were almost back on your college campus with your brothers and, and just having that. You know, we talk about the, the, the fraternities of athletics, and, and of course, I, I don't miss the opportunities to talk about this. I, I, I dated a young lady. Her daughter was in a step program in high school, and now she's doing her thing uh, with, with a sorority over at uh, Bethune-Cookman. But I had for the first time for a year, I learned all about step and what it meant, man. It is a surreal deal, man. If you've ever seen some most electrifying competition, go to a step contest up in Virginia Beach for some of the best steppers around the country land. You guys, I tell you what, the fellas, they do that little, show, that little shoulder scrug and all that stuff, man. Hey, look, that takes a lot more talent, I think, some days than what I see on some football fields. Hey, hey, that's soft, Richie, man. Don't let, don't let them shoulders – don't let that's soft, man. Don't, don't get into all of that, man. <laughs> hey, I mean, hey, you won't see many brothers doing that. <laughs> you know what? Yes, sir. Hey, something interesting happened uh, this weekend. Um, I got together with a couple of my chapter girls, and we were at Wild Wing. And as we were preparing to leave, um, we asked for the check. And I always just said, somebody already took care of them. And on the back of the check, somebody wrote, enjoy watching your fellowship and friendship and wanted to buy you dinner. So them wow. just seeing that true friendship was like, hey, we, we, that's special right there. Let's buy those guys something. That's awesome. So, I mean, it's it's huge, man. It's just there's nothing like the, the brothers of Omega Sci-Fi. Now, let me ask you this, and, 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 and I want you guys – you know what? I'm going to save this for last, so start thinking. Now, I, I know that, that when they start doing roll call, right, when there's a competition that they go through and they ask <laughs> who's in the house, all right? So you two guys know where I'm going with this, all right? So, so get ready to, to introduce yourselves to the rest of Southern Sports Central and to the guys who will be tuning in tomorrow night to the West Foundation Sports Show from 6 to 9. But first – uh, let me ask you, Coach, first part, uh, Coach Parks, what is your meal that you cannot wait for Thursday when it hits on Thanksgiving? Uh, I'm about to smoke this turkey, man. I'm going to start prepping that sucker tomorrow, man. Let's smoke the turkey. <laughs> Coach Sands, how about it, buddy? What do you got going on Thursday? What's your favorite meal when it comes to this time of year? Well, you know, as long as I got me some macaroni and cheese and some candy yams, I'm good to go. 
Indy Yams. Man, we got to do some potluck around here. By the way, I got you both on for this reason. I need you both to Charleston. I'm not a good golfer, but I'm a hell of a caddy, okay? I got you on that. You tell me what you need. I'll bring it over there, and we'll, we'll keep everything running. You tell me the course you two guys want to go at. We'll do it for a good cause. Maybe do like a charity thing, right? Let's have some fun with it. And Eugene will caddy for one. I'll caddy for the other. But it'll be the four of us rolling around on a golf course down here in Charleston. Does that sound like a plan? Yes, let's Count me in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, Coach, I'm going to tell you this. Coach Sands, I hear all the time from his other coaches. They're like, man, he spends more time in Florida. I've never seen him in the offseason. He's kind of like Spurrier. He just takes off. <laughs> <laughs> all right guys so let's, uh, hey, hey, yes sir hey, this compared i want to know uh, you say you'll start prepping the turkey tomorrow i've already started smoking the ham hocks for the collard greens so uh what's the hold up hey hey eugene i had to you know my my, my school of higher education home school of learning is the hold up man i got another day of uh education you know and then i'll get get, get, get to work on that turkey <laughs> Fair All right, enough, fellas, so before we send you guys off, I want you to do what you do, and y'all kind of count it down or do whatever you got to do, but let's do it, man. Let's give some love to the fraternity that helped raise you guys to be such amazing, not only great men, but great fathers and great friends of mine. I appreciate it, guys, and uh, take it away here. Ever you going to send it to the young bro? You, 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 how, how you want to have you, you going to start out? I want the young bro going to leave. <laughs> All right, I'll leave. I'll leave. I'll leave. Here we go. Oh, oh, Omega, my brother's face. Hold it down, Richard. I love it, guys. God bless you. Happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. Everett, I'm going to catch up with you possibly after the show, but we appreciate it. Don't forget, tomorrow night it is the West Foundation Sports show, the man, the legend right there, Everett Spans, will be holding it down for three solid hours right here on Southern Sports Central. Coach, uh, as we go back to you, our celebrity guest picker of the night, Coach Perry Parks. You did a great job. Well, we'll find out. We'll be talking on Saturday morning, buddy. Awesome, man. Thank you guys for having me, brother. Always a pleasure. Guys, enjoy, man. I tell you what, Eugene, we went out in style. We gave it a send-off like I've never done before here on Southern Sports Central, man. A great night it has been for all of us as the celebrity guest picker, Perry Parks, put in his votes. We do apologize for the two teams that, well, we got so excited, we kind of kept moving along, but we did get that pick in, so all the picks are in. We're going to have Two more coaches coming in on Wednesday night. Who are they? Well, we're going to go to Oceanside since COVID ruined their season. Here comes Coach Call at 7.30. And then, oh, but only then, are we heading to First Baptist. That's right. Johnny Waters will join us at 8 o'clock. He also was hit by the word COVID. He will give us his celebrity pick as well. 6.30 will be, of course, David Shelton. And we'll see if we get another one on the show with us. On behalf of Eugene Benton, I am Richie Altman, and we do thank Kevin Bellidu, Reginald Walker Jr., Joe Hughes, and our celebrity, our celebrity guest of the night, that was Perry Parks, and don't forget the sneak attack, as we brought in his brother, his fraternity brother was that, of, of course, Ever Sand, guys. Enjoy the night. Eugene, great job, my friend. Yes, sir, man. Looking forward to Wednesday night. Should be action-packed. Uh, looking forward to tomorrow night with Coach Sands and the Everett Sands Show. 
It'll be a solid one, guys. Don't forget, if we don't get to say it to you Wednesday because you started early, happy Thanksgiving. Make it count. Be thankful for all that you got because you're never guaranteed what you got. Today, we'll be here tomorrow, guys. We'll see you tomorrow night right here on Southern Sports Central and the West Foundation Sports Show brought to you by the man with the plan, Everett Sands. Guys, God bless. Take care.